he found me on LinkedIn, right? He goes, Frank, you look like such an asshole on, on your LinkedIn photo. It's like, dude, I'm a project garbage. It's part of the, it's part of the role. If I, was, if, I, if I had a big smile on my face and everything was right, I wouldn't be doing what I do. Hold on. Are we, are we friends on LinkedIn? <laughs> oh, we are. Oh, wow. You do look like an asshole. <laughs> Man, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it though? <laughs> what are you trying to do, like the smolder or something? Like, what does that look? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Skids Up RC Podcast, and tonight. We have got Nick Maxwell on. Uh, this is actually a pre-recorded session, so um, we're going to do our, our round of updates, and then we will cut to the show that was already recorded earlier. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to make it, but um, I've heard it's a rocking good time. So we're going to go ahead and get started with just some updates. From us. <laughs> I like the rocking good time. I like it. I like it. It's that's the way. I mean, I'm going to have to listen to it and find out what kind of a rocking good time it was. I was on a work call the entire night and was not able to have any fun. No, no, it, it was really, it was really good too, because, you know, I got to pick uh, Nick's brain about Nitro. So I know Javier was uh, completely annoyed there for a good portion of the, of the episode, which definitely made for a fun evening. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that probably cut, cut the episode down by at least 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, no, no. He has some, he has some doozy other questions for him too, you know? Like oh, okay, Javier okay. does not, does not let down. He keeps going. No, I, I had to steer stuff. away from the Nitro talk. Well, you know, we've learned our lesson from last time. So, Javier, you're going last for updates. Um, I'm calling on Frank first. I see Frank has his hand up, so you're, he's going first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. So, pretty much all last week, I was on vacation with my family. We went over to the west coast of Florida. Got to spend some time with my parents and my sister and her new boyfriend. Uh, all really good times. Well, I'm sorry. I just find it funny that, you know, most people go to Florida for vacation. But if you're already in Florida, you're like, we're going to go to the other part of Florida. That's the vacation it's part. It's, it's the West Coast, you know, the, the beaches are not as trashy as the ones on the East Coast. You know, we got a little, you know, if you go down, if you go here South Area, you know, you got a bunch of Spanish people, you know, you can't stand those people, you know. I say that <laughs> as me being people. a Spanish person. Um, did Tampa you go to uh, St. Pete's? Uh, south of that. It was south of Tampa. It's called uh, Anna Maria Island, uh, Holmes Beach. Really cool little beach town. Uh, a lot of fun, you know. They didn't have a McDonald's in the entire freaking island. You know, it's like for me not to have like McDonald's coffee for an entire week. You know, that's how Brand you know a place wife. is. That's how you know a place is classy, Frank, when they don't have a McDonald's. <laughs> they have everything else, though, dude, and it's so overpriced too. And the Uber Eats are and the Uber Eats uh, availabilities are nowhere near as good. Cool, man. Would you so, guys? Uh, you were out there for the whole week. Yeah, we were out there for Monday through uh, to Friday. Um, I got to spend some, I got to spend a lot of time with my daughter on the pool and teaching her how to swim, and that was that was pretty interesting. A lot of fun there. Does she already know uh, how so, to swim, and you were helping, or was this like the first time? No, she, she, she she's she no she 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 knows how to splash around and she knows how to hang on for dear life. So when she grabs <laughs> you, she's not letting go for anything in this world. So I always crack up. I'm like, Julie. Really, you can't grab my ear like that. <laughs> I got grab you. the parts that float, not the ear. <laughs> yeah, oh, and then and uh, but it was good times all around. You know, it really was. So I didn't do much helicopter stuff except for the interview with Nick, which was a lot of fun. 
Uh, you guys are going to enjoy this a lot. He and I, he wants to really come, he wants to come in on again, and we, he wants to talk about um, fly barless tuning, and because he's that's what he does mainly for his job now that he works for a UAV company. So I figured you would be all about this because you're constantly look asking to, for me to find guys with uh, ties to uh, software setup and stuff like that. So I figured you would you would appreciate this more than than most am of I us. That, am I that predictable? No, I just, I just, we've, we've been doing this podcast right now, two, almost two years. December will know, be two man. years or yeah, two years. It'll be, no, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be two years in like two months. We started in September. No, no way. So yeah, yeah so I, 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 I know how to push you guys' buttons. So I know, I know how to get you guys going now. So, I, <laughs> I know. Um, so that, and so I, then I went, I got home back Friday night and Sunday I went flying had a great day. I'm really, really enjoying uh, flying the the Protos Max, the the ultralight uh, version of my Protos uh, Evo. Yeah. So what so, makes that thing? You, you've mentioned ultralight a couple of times. What uh, I guess? How much lighter and what makes it lighter? It's, it's probably right now as it sits, probably 300 grams lighter than Evolution. Probably more. Are you are you on? Um, like the max blade length they can handle or just set regular 700? No, I, I'm running, it can probably run 715s, but I'm just doing 700s and I have a, I have a 4025 um, and all my other 700s have 4530s. Mm-hmm. So I have a small, okay. mo- I have a small five, 700 size motor, which is a great motor. And, you know, even George Van Gansen says it's the best motor he ever designed or he ever, he ever produced pound for pound, you know, power, power to weight ratio is just, it's on the money. So I have that running on a 130 amp, uh, 130 amp ESC. And, you know, I have the new torque servos, which they're really, really nice. They've got all kinds of power and they have these new metal inserts. So you don't need to use the little carbon fiber strip that you put behind your servos mm-hmm. to lock them in. These actually go into the, the holes that come in the servos so it's a really direct so you don't have to work you don't have that movement so you know because when you're tying up your servos most of the time you know you can't get them all out of perfectly uh at the same location in in the z-axis yeah so this actually sets them perfect so as long as everything else is built right these will be on the money so when you say so, new servos like is there a, a relatively recent version of torque or are we talking about the ones yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for like a year or two no, no, no. These are the new ones. These are the big dog. These are the two hundred dollar servo. Uh, All right. Servos. Give, give me a, give me a name. I'm going to Google them. I don't think I've seen this before. Uh, let me see here. Let me let me jump on here. Because I've loved the. Um, I have the torque. I guess whatever ones came out like a year and a half ago or two years ago. I have those on my Spectre, and they're awesome. Yeah, and I have I have I have those on my Spectre as well. And but I they're have cheaper. The though. They were like a hundred like a hundred dollars a servo. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I'm coming up. I'm up. Uh, they're called the HLXC and HLXT for cyclic and uh, tail. HLX. They're hall sensor, so they. You can go to you can go to Heli Direct and see it there. Ah, uh, there it is. I see it. I see it. Oh yeah, two hundred bucks. Nice. So are they just yeah. um, are they faster and stronger than the standard torques? I would say. I would say so. You know, it, it's, it's still a toss-up because I think that they hang up there with the Futabas. Like, you know, people are going to, oh, I'm going to get shunned by this, especially going to Urchin in two weeks. They're going to come after me. 
Uh, <laughs> and so there was so yeah they're pretty good circles and i've also been trying the thetas you know they're they're also they're also they're really nice because they're really quiet these torques are not as quiet but these uh but i don't think the the thetas have the power that these do these are just gotcha. they just seem angry dude they seem like you know a like a spoon uh civic with like an 80 shot of nitrous, man. Just, just, just angry sounding, dude. They just sound like they have. I can't believe you just call, pulled out a spoon civic. I haven't heard that name in like 10 years, maybe 15 years. But, yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the era where hot rods are, you know, I had, you know, I had, I had an eclipse, you know, so I definitely, um, so I was Wait, part of that. Which, that, which that, kind though? Did you have a GS, GST or a GSX? GST. Oh, nice. Dude, I wanted one of those so bad when I was in high school. I wanted GSX, but God knows that I could not afford that thing. Uh, well, I mean, a, G a GSX is just essentially a, a two-door, you know, Lancer Evo, so. <laughs> true, true. And um, I couldn't afford that on my little salary from sound advice during car stereo installations. But it had some bang on it, so I needed that turbo to get it, to get me moving because I had so yeah. much uh, speaker equipment in there that I needed to. Uh, and then I sold that and got an F-150. And I put more bang in that. That's uh, um, not exactly the same kind of car, but yeah, definitely useful. Yeah, it was definitely cool. Dude, I'm a, I was a big dude. It's six foot five and a little car like that. It's, it gets tiring really quickly, you know? Oh, that's true. The uh, the old Eclipses were really small on the inside, especially with like the dashboard wrapped around you. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that whole thing, that yeah. whole thing that came around. Yeah. And, you know, so it was it was definitely fun. Um, but I got tired of it quickly, let me be honest. Um, I much enjoyed working on my friends than I did on my own. Um, I miss that. I miss that. I used to do a, a lot of work on my cars, but I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't worked on my car since I had my, my Subaru, uh, my STI. It was like almost 10 years ago now. Really? Um, so yeah, so I flew, uh, flew the Protos Max a lot, flew the Nitro a bit, you know, got to hang out with the guys at the club, you know, they're growing, they're growing pretty big. They're getting pretty intense about it. Uh, one of my team pilots, Keyshawn Kapoor, uh, came out. He had he put some awesome flights on. I love seeing his flying. Dude. He reminds me of like the old, you know, Bobby Watts. Very smooth, very very clean. Uh, and he's always pushing the envelope, so it's always a lot of fun. I got some good film on him, so my sponsors will be happy that one of the team guys that I picked is doing well. Um, I mean, considering you guys have people all over the world. Well, I guess you're a USA yeah. team, but I mean, that's weird that you have someone in your own field. Yeah, no, it was funny because I didn't know that he was even here. And then he showed up to my sunfly with a Protos Evo. And I'm like, dude, and I'm like, thinking to myself, please be a good pilot. Please be a good pilot. You know, <laughs> the kid's a, uh, he's a, he's a mechanical engineer getting his master's in uh, engineering management. So I'm like, okay, someone I can talk to, you know, and that's, that's similar, but not as cool as architects. So, <laughs> so yeah. I figured, you know, and then he, the whole the funny thing is he wasn't even involved in Facebook. He's like, yeah, look, dude, I don't, I don't really do Facebook. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I kind of need you to do that. It's part of the game. And he's like, oh, for sure. And then we started talking and struck up a pretty good relationship. He's a, he's a good dude. And he's coming, he's actually going to Urcho, which is going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully um, that goes well. So right now, before I start getting into anything else, it's just getting ready for 
Urcha, which is two weeks away. And I got a new helicopter's coming, which I can say now because it's already been announced. And knowing us, uh, Javier won't get this ready for another like three months, this episode. So it's the new Spectre V2. I have that coming this week. It's funny so, that, you know, we were talking about that the other day or on this last time we recorded, but I hadn't seen the announcement um, that the video that they made until literally this morning. And it's been out for what, like a, a week, I guess, or three or four days? No, or... it's, been, it's, been, it's been out like three days. We, we, we saw the video oh, last okay. week. We saw okay. the video last week and Ralph threatened to kill us all if we, if we shared the video. So no one shared it. Like, like good team guys, right? But then he shared it. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. He says, if he could do it, then everybody else would do it. So yeah, there's that. It's, it's annoying me because now I have to buy, I have to be, essentially, like, I have no choice, right? I have to buy two 700s at least. This year, I've got to get the Oxy Seven. I have to get Spectre Two. Like it's just, I, you know, I don't you have know, a choice I, in the matter, man. You know, I I love Uncle Luca. Don't get me wrong, Luca. And if you hear this, you know, don't you get too mad at me. But you don't have to buy that. You don't have to buy the Oxy Seven. You can buy a Protos and the XL. You know, that's the two that you have to buy. You should be well, buying. I'm gonna, those. I'm, I'm gonna have to buy that one too, though. So, so I'm sorry, three. I'm gonna have. I'm running out of space for all of these seven hundreds, man. Like I just don't have a place. You, you're, to put actually, you're starting to compete with me on 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 seven hundreds. I only you have. Know? I have two. I only have two. Okay, well, um, but, I only have five in a have, year. In a year, I'll have like six. <laughs> no way! Yeah, I'm sorry, I have, I have three because of the um, this the Protos gasser that's in a box that will be in a box for like the next six months. No way, dude! You gotta get that thing built, man. Well, the engine, like none of the stuff's in stock. The engine's still out of stock, and then I'm building it. I told you, I'm building it with a buddy of mine, and oh, um, for sure. So we're, we're gonna do it real slow, you know, from the ground up, and it'll fly when it flies. I'm not in a future. Dude, so I'll give you some advice on the pro on the Proto Central. Once you get that top transmission built, it builds itself after that. Like I don't know, how, I don't know about carries. I've seen carries conversion, but I know that the stuff that's similar to the electric gets built really, really fast. I mean, it looks like it. It looks like it would be built really fast. I was looking through the uh, yeah. the manual, but I'm thinking it's not going to be because it's going to take me a long time to build. It's just going to take me a long time to get all the parts together into a spot where I can actually build it with my friend in the same spot. Like that'll probably take a while. Yeah. Dude, like if, I don't know, I don't know how your situation is at your house, but if you get like two big picnic tables, not picnic tables, but the white plastic tables, one for oh, each yeah. one, yeah. you can just, you can just crank on it. And if you guys are really smart, you guys break down. So you guys each build the same assembly at the same time. That's like, yeah. Well, see the, the idea is that uh, we're going to do it at his house. Cause my wife, the last thing my wife wants is a, work in progress of two 700 helicopters just hanging out in the living room so he's got a hobby room that he's re he's currently remodeling and as soon as that's done we'll just take over that room and i'll just leave my helicopter at his house and we'll just build it together so that's the plan probably won't be till like what's july and august yeah probably be like september till we get started so that's there oh i got a new v control i mean if i tell you guys about i got Jeez, the, how, the how many v controls how many v controls do you have man Oh, I don't know. I, I don't ever I don't ever have more than two because I usually sell one before I get it. And the guys at my club have slowly been converting over to the V control. I had I posted a picture of six V controls on a table. I did see and that. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And you know, and I tagged Brian from Mikado USA. So I always want to put a spot at his face. Being that he's one of my sponsors, you know, and kind of like my boss with with Maniac. So uh, that was pretty cool. And all these guys weren't flying V-Controls less than, I would say, six months ago. They were all, they were either flying Spectrum or Futaba. And I kept telling them, I was like, man, you guys need to get rid of that stuff, man. And 
they saw me set up a helicopter at the field. Actually, they, they saw me set up my friend's helicopter and set up with my radio and then bind his and just take it up to fly. Like, they were just amazed how, how quickly that, that happens. That's pretty um, cool. There's only, um, so, there's only one V-Control pilot. There's a, and there's a ton of helicopter pilots at our field. Like, there's only one guy that I know that has a V-Control. Uh, the rest are Spectrum or Jetty. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, the, the Jetty guys, dude, are hardcore about it. Dude. Those guys, you'll never convert them. Well, uh, I'm surprised. My, I'm surprised that there were that many Jetty people. Like, because I thought I was the only person. And then over the last year, I've met three other guys that fly Jetty. Uh, they all have the DS12s too. All the pla- they all have the plastic ones. Uh, do they all fly anything else? Do they fly anything else but helis, or do they fly? Uh, uh, they, I mean, they're really good heli pilots. I, mean, I think they they fly. I mean, kind of like me. Like, I have an airplane that I, I use when I'm don't want to have a heart attack in the field, you know, every time, sometimes I just want to just, you know, chill. <laughs> so I think they're like that where they like might fly a plane or two, but it, they're not doing like, you know, the 24 channel multi giant plane kind of thing, multi servo giant plane. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the guys in my club fly jetty, but they fly jets with it. Right. Right. And, yeah. We, we don't, yeah. we're not allowed when we can't even fly jets at our, at our field. It's, it's uh, not permitted. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is annoying because so, I really want a turbine at some point. So this just happened right now. I just got the text on, on my phone and, you know, I, I recorded from my phone. And it's kind of sad, but it's kind of really, um, really thankful because you can see that the committee of helicopter pilots is pretty intense. It's, you know, Doug Darby calls it the brotherhood and I couldn't agree with him more. But uh, a member of the hangout, you know, a good dude that I actually got to meet uh face-to-face in San Diego, Adam Arullo, you know, he had a death in his family, you know, and they started a GoFundMe account. And from Saturday morning, which was at like 800 bucks till tonight, which is just standing right there, they hit the $5,000 uh, uh, mark that they were trying to do. So I went on the hangout and I shared it there and then I did a live video asking people to help and, you know, kind of explaining the thing, what's going on. So pretty excited about that. Pretty happy that they were, we were able to help them. You know, the heli community is, it's a fun big brother. And that is the truth. I couldn't agree That's more with that statement. That's really cool. And, you know, it's, it's a sad situation, but I'm happy that we were able to pitch in and get, get him set up, you know? Yeah. Get him and his family set up. Well, I mean, so, it's a cool, uh, you know, you've got a, a pretty big mouthpiece there, you know? So I mean, use it, use it for good. That's what I, I tell him, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, Doug is always the guy that keeps me and keeps me honest more than everything. You know, it's uh, it's funny because uh, Augie calls me the mafioso. You know, the the what's how would I say that in English, uh, Javier? Um, the mafia guy or the uh, no the yeah. the, the mafia <laughs> boss? Pretty, I don't know. Pretty much how it sounds in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always he says and he says I tell you this because you're you're like a boss. You know, all this shit. I'm like oh. I, Augie, stop talking shit, you know? He's like, no, 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 you always screw me. No, you, you really are. You're a leader. You're all this shit. And I'm just like, no, Augie, I'm just, I'm just the biggest nerd of everybody else, you know? I'm just, got, I'm just the guy with the biggest mouth. Um, but I'm really happy that we were able to help a man, and, you know, it just shows the power of, of the hangout, you know, especially being that's, being that's my group and that's been my baby for a long time. So I'm happy that I can do some good instead of just stirring up drama and picking on top pilots. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest here. I'm glad you can do that too. But every now and then, it's nice <laughs> to do some good. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, so, 
Paul, please, you go next. Before Javier takes oh, over. I wasn't planning on being called on. Although, you know, there's only three of us, so I probably should have planned on that. Uh, I, you know, dude, there hasn't been a whole lot going on here. Like my, uh, you know, my, my, my week, as I told you guys for the last couple of weeks, we were, we're going to production with a new, a new product that we finally, we finally finished yesterday, the day before. We went very late in, in the morning or early morning. And um, that's been kind of building up for the last couple of weeks. I haven't done a whole lot, uh, you know, outside of work, but I have been absolutely making sure that I've been going to the field. So like, that was my, my Zen, you know, I work a ton. I, I haven't really worked this much, honestly, since I was, since I was in architectures, I had to work like the first weekend I've had to work in two years. <laughs> wow. I used to work, I used to work like every other weekend at HKS. And now I haven't worked a weekend in two years. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to work on weekends. It's horrible. Um, but yeah, I had to work the last couple of weekends and, um, but I've been making sure that, you know, I go after I work a ton, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the field. I'm just going to stay there for, you know, three, three hours, um, to kind of unwind. So I've been, I've been flying a lot. And then I sent you guys that video. Uh, I had a friend of mine was gracious enough to record me. I think it's like the first time I've ever been recorded flying. Yeah. Um, Putting some good flights, man. Yeah, I was, I was pretty happy. I think I've, I'm back to the point where I was, you know, last year before I'd taken six months off. So I was doing my figure funnel eights they're large but they're you know they're they're recognizable and um i didn't get it on film but i got my first sustained series of piriflips um at a level that wasn't like 300 feet in the air <laughs> uh which was really cool which is man they, it's amazing um once that that movement just clicks and it's just all of a sudden it goes from being i don't even know how this works to oh wow this is so easy like i'm still not very good at it but i know where to move and when to move Versus just like blindly moving the sticks around and hoping that it does what I think it's going to do. Like now I actually know how to do it. Um, they're still kind of sloppy, but man, it's, it's cool that now I actually, like, I, I know how to do pyro flips, which I, I could kind of do them, you know, I could get them to work and they would be sloppy in it, but it would still be, you know, I'm just randomly moving the sticks together in a memorized fashion. And occasionally it works out the way it should, but now I can get it to work every single time because I know what I'm actually doing. Um, and now I've just got to perfect those. I'm just going to be practicing those for yeah, know, the next 10 to 20 years, probably. Yeah. And, uh... Those become a lot of fun to do. <laughs> yeah. I've been practicing, I've been trying to do reversals. So, Oh, okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And I do them like at 500 feet above the ground. I think, uh, I think I got called by the FAA the other day, you know, they, they had so much show up oh, yeah. because I was flying. So <laughs> because every time I do them, I go from 500 feet to 20 feet, like in two seconds flat. It's like, I like to fly seven mistakes high. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely been the same way on that one. Um, uh, let's see, what else was I going to add? There's something. Oh, by the way, uh, kudos on, yeah. the, on the car selfie. You know, you're starting to look just like me. Doing oh. the car selfie with the helicopters in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, mainly, that was mainly just to contrast against the professional pilot that is Javier with his fancy bags. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Javier shows shows up to the field, and you see all the women there start dropping their panties and throwing them around. You know, they're like, you know, throwing bras, asking him to autograph his. No, they're trying, they're trying like to throw that. him. They're trying to throw him into his back. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, Javier shows up to the field. You know, Don uh, Don Moreno over here. You know, excuse me, you know, sir. Are you, a professional are you a professional pilot? <laughs> yes. Will you autograph my? Will you autograph my canopy? I want to be just like you when I get old, <laughs> when I grow up. <sighs> um, oh, uh, uh, one thing I was going to say is, yeah, I found a, um, after I've been complaining for like quite a year and a half now that my field is so far away, because it is, it's like 40 minutes away. 
Uh, but it's, even though it's a great, it's a great field. I just found out that there is an AMA field like 15 to 20 minutes from my house and it never showed up on any of my searches because it's in a different city. So okay. when I just did it, so I was looking for Dallas RC fields. I found tons of it, but I live on the, the far edge of Dallas. Um, and right next to Dallas is another city called Rowlett. And there's like, there's a field right down the street. I mean, it's not down the street, but it's half the distance to the other one. So I'm actually gonna go check that out this week. Um, so, and hopefully that can be like my afternoon field. And then I still go, I'll still go out to the other one on the weekends. Cause I just like, I love the people there. I've made a lot of friends there over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, that happens. You know, I, I, I have to agree with you, man. Like my field, like once I'm very lucky that my field is literally 18 minutes away from my house. It's like three turns and I'm there. So, uh, but I also have got, I get along very well with the people there and I'm good friends and with the treasury and the president and the like, the VP is very easy to make fun of, you know? So <laughs> I definitely love going there. We had a meeting this week and, you know, hashing it out because more plankers want to show up to my field. And now these are even the worst kind of plankers. These are the control line guys. That oh God. You just, all this stupid sound, wing, 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 wing. Yeah. I don't understand that one. I told you that there's a control line park like literally only control line in the city sanctioned by the city of dallas near my house and i went over there and got chased off by them and i was like what kind of what kind of people even do that anymore i could have sworn that you know control lines are dead therefore this park can be used for anything you're like no it's very much alive there is a group of like 100 hardcore control line people still left out there i was i i tell that to the brother i was like when you guys finally give up your flying this club is going to be so much better, you know. We're not going to have a bunch of old dudes keep occupying the, the flat line all the time and telling us what we can and can't do, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, the very first experience that I'd had with, you know, plankers being negative towards helicopters, because I that wasn't even something I even knew about until, honestly, right before we started doing the, the podcast together. It never really, it never even occurred to me that there would be, like, any kind of animosity between uh, RC pilots. And uh, I, so I had that, that first club I went to that basically kicked me out. Um, and so this one, this new one that I just found out that's a few minutes from my house, I emailed them and I was like, hey, you know, our, our helicopter's okay. And I'm only asking because I don't see any pictures of people with helicopters on your website. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, helicopters are fine. And then he told me, he's like, people with the larger helicopters typically fly the patterns with the planes. I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you mean fly the pattern with the planes? Like, I've never even heard of that before. Like, what guys can take a helicopter up and fly in a circle, like, with all the other planes? It's like, that, does anyone yeah, do just that? Chasing, just chasing around like, planes. That, that, sounds, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds boring as hell. That's like do, like flying, doing stall turns and coming back and doing stall turns and coming back. And that's all that you do all day. Yeah, well, I, uh, him, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Is that going to be a problem? He's like, oh, well, if you want to do, you know, if you want to fly it in the 3D mode. And I was like, yes, I do want to fly it in the 3D mode. In the 3D mode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like smoke, smoking the marijuanas, flying the 3Ds. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I want to fly the 3Ds. And um, he's like, well, you can just go in between the other pilots. It's like, all right, well, we're going to try this out and see how it works. But um, I might end up just, even if it is closer, I might end up just going to the normal field because... There's at least a, a common common contract between air, airplanes and helicopters over there. I don't know if one exists at this club. Uh, that is it for me, though. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, lots of work, lots of flying. Can do finally do pyro flips. Super happy. And at one point or another, we'll be getting lots of 700s. And now I have to start making a plan of where on earth I'm going to hide them in the house because they're very large. 
and I can get away with two, but I don't know if I can get away with any more than that without it becoming an yeah. eyebrow-raising event. So I got, uh, I've been actually cleaning off because I had the entire dining room. I had another table in my dining room. I had a coffee table with helicopter parts. So I've been cleaning shit up, you know, and consolidating how much stuff I have. Like I gave my buddy Ernie a bunch of my old goblin parts for the 700 competition that I had. <clears throat> and just so I've been like moving stuff back into the garage. I, you know, I'm pretty blessed that I have such a great wife that lets me just like take over half the house with my shit. So, <laughs> so I need to definitely uh, get her some uh, flowers or something for how kind and sweet she is to her. To her. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of square footage dedicated to helicopters, there, man. Um, oh, hey, dude. Well, anyway, that's that's it for me. Um, so finally, I think we can say that's it for all of us. So here's the pre-recorded clip from uh, Maxwell, and um, you guys have a great night. We'll talk to everybody later. That's so unfair. <laughs> Just because they have the power of the muting. <laughs> Don't make me use it, man. I'll I'll, I'll mute you. I will. Ah, come on. <laughs> Okay, so here I here I go. So take a uh, take your glasses and uh, sip a little bit, and then I'll yeah, I, mean, I can proceed. I'm gonna go get one right now, actually. So um, you Sweet. talk. I will be. I'll, I'll, I swear I'll be listening. <laughs> okay, so um, I've been having not such uh, an awesome year. Like probably um, it's it's like that every every year it seems, but uh, this time and. Um, and I know that we've talked about it, but not on, but not, you know, not on the show um, that, you know, I had a second crash of, uh, of another of my helicopters. And unfortunately, that helicopter ended up being uh, the best of my helicopters, the 570. So I had previously crashed the 500 and now I've crashed the 570, which means that out of my four helicopters, my two best helicopters are crashed. However, Uh, the 570 crash was actually not that bad. Um, uh, it was not like, it was nothing like 500, you know, the 500, uh, you know, as I explained before, basically it was that I lost visibility and I lost orientation on it and it uh, went tail in first to the ground. The 570 actually, um, I was doing a low, slow circuit and um, I just messed up. Uh, overcorrected and it down it went. Basically, it you know to be honest with you, it, this was this was just uh, that I I was feeling fine with the helicopter. So this is a crash that fortunately is not one of those crashes that you know uh, like like a failure or something that you say oh my gosh I mean what am I gonna do it, it I actually exactly knew what was what was what happened and it was all my fault. Um, But, uh, and, and, you know, it was not as bad, you know, the, the crash parts, you know, their fuselage didn't actually get broken. Um, I, you know, the entire tail, the entire canopy salvageable, of course the blades died, but you know, the, you know, there's just a few bearings and a one way bearing and a few things here and there. I mean, it was a very, very mild crash for, for what I thought was going to happen. And, um, Unfortunately, also, it was the point where I felt the best with the helicopter. I found this uh, setting on, on V-Control uh, called Cyclic Ring. And uh, what happens is that the, the 380 and the 420 on the TikToks, they were like perfect, like one, two, one, two, one, two, perfect timing. 
but uh, on the 570, it felt like I had a lot of throw. So I, I like kind of like it was beating me. So it was, you know, all kind of out of timing. So um, I didn't want to correct the pitch because, you know, the pitch uh, I felt right. It, it felt right when I was doing my pitch pumps or when I was doing, you know, punch outs or anything or stops, you know, that was perfect. So it was not a pitch. Um, it was also not the agility, you know, the, the rotation rate, because I'm doing, I'm trying to do those static pair of flips, of course, very several mistakes high. Um, and, you know, it rolls perfectly. It rolls on a dime. You know, I can just keep, uh, keep the stick pegged and it'll just keep going if I have, you know, if I manage my collective correctly. So um, everything was fine, but the TikToks were not. So uh, this cyclic ring thing, I lowered it and lo and behold, my TikToks ended up having perfect timing. So that flight was where I was feeling the 570 at its best. But, uh, you know, it, it kissed the dirt. So um, uh, unfortunately, that, that was what, what happened. But it's now actually almost fully assembled. And I have to give props to my good friend, Paul, that, you know, I have played thanks to him. So, uh, so thank you very much, Paul. That uh, that, yeah, that, that dude, that dude's awesome, man. I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. I know, yeah. I know, I know. You and me <laughs> both. So you know, it's uh, the the helicopter is actually fully assembled, except that I failed to notice that the motor belt was damaged and significantly. So holy um, crap! What what kind of goblin yeah. uh, fanboy are you? He doesn't check your belts. Ah, uh, I know, I know. I, 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 I don't know how I missed it because I actually tore it completely down because I, uh, I changed the main, um, the main shaft bearings, which basically means that you have to disassemble the entire thing because those are those are on the base plate. So you leave it just basically on the frame and skids in order to What's change the, uh, the bearings. That's not as expensive as the the main belt, though, right? Um, it it is. I think it is actually more expensive than the tail belt. Yes. Oh, it's really? uh, 18 oh. bucks. Oh, well, none of the main belts like 20 something. So the tail belt's like 20 something. I was because when you said when you broke it, I was looking up the prices for the tail belt. And uh, so it looks like it looks like it's a little bit cheaper that you broke that one instead of the. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, still that 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 was not that big of a problem because it was it's just one part and one more part. And it's not like the swatch or something that's really, really expensive. Um, you know, it was not that bad. The problem is that. Since I missed it, you know, I cannot finish it. So, you know, I I, um, I spooled it up. But of course, you know, the, the, the moral by itself, but just to make sure that, you know, it was not vibrating like crazy that I did everything right. And, um, you know, everything seems fine. I've already tidied up the wiring already. I mean, it's ready. I just need to, you know, uh, insert that belt and it should be ready. Um, the only thing that I noticed is that my transmission is a, feels a little bit stiff. And uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping that you know with a little bit of of uh, of wear it'll get better. But if not, that means that my that my bearings are not fully pressed, or there's still a little bit of residual old Loctite in there because um, I use green Loctite to to fasten those. So um, if that's the case, that means that I'll have to disassemble everything again. But I hope not. I hope that you know with the heat and with the movement. Everything will sit and and will be fine. Um, the uh, the 380, I finally finished up uh, tuning it. I had some issues basically with my funnels. When I was starting a funnel, the tail 
just blew out like, I don't know, like 45 degrees, which is pretty scary. Um, and uh, I figured out that I just needed to increase the tail game. And that's it. That, you know, I thought I thought I was in for, you know, a lot of stuff that I needed to start to play around with a lot of parameters. But no, I just needed to basically increase my tail gain. What I noticed is that I never did what I should have done in the beginning, which is basically do uh, like fast forward uh, passes, like like speed passes. And you do that until your tail starts wagging like crazy. And then you just go, uh, I usually go 10 points down after I, I hit that, because if not, I'll, if I get it down just five points, then I notice that on funnels, it starts doing that when you push the tail a little harder. So I just get it down like 10 points and that's like the perfect game. But I never did that with the 380. <laughs> so I was missing, I was missing a little bit of gain. So, um, so now my tail is it wasn't, fine. It wasn't wagging though, like on its own. No, 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 no. The, the only, no. the only thing was, you know, was the tail blowout. I mean, it, the tail was perfect. The tail, the tail felt perfect. It was just when you push the tail that it let go. Yeah. So wh what do you mean by, so blowout? So it means that, that, like you said, tail would just give out in what, in what kind of maneuver? In a funnel. In a funnel. Okay. Yes. So you, uh, so I would, I recommend you do tail compensation. So to set that up as high as you can and then lowering your gains because that makes it, that makes it much more fluid and more, e and you know, you're, you're having to fight less and also try to get the mechanical, your mechanical tail to be as spot on as possible. Yeah. So you have the right, this, the right distance between your, uh, on your tail box. Yes. Yes. I try, I try to center that, but, uh, but what I like about, about B bar. Uh, that you know, I'm I'm starting I'm starting to I feel like uh, what is it the Borg you know that they start to assimilate you you know I feel like that that you know I'm starting to to talk all these good things about Vivar now um you know oh, th I, I wonder why <laughs> I, I remember someone saying some shit about it when they first got oh I don't know it took me a while I had to talk to this guy to get it yeah, all up yeah. and going right now now it's like oh yeah, this stuff is great for you. yeah it's 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 I mean it has these um, uh, automatic you know um, optimization of the tail. Yep. And uh, that's that. That's amazing. You know, basically, even if you're a little bit off, you know, even if you're if your tail push right, it's not exactly on the center of the travel of the tail. Basically, what you do is that I well, what I do is that I just turn on the um, the optimization of the tail, get it up, get it full rudder on one side, get it full rudder on the other side, and you can just see how it's adjusting. How it starts like if if you have less travel on one side. Um, then it starts adjusting itself and you, then you see how from slow pyros, it starts getting faster until it matches the rate of the other side. So you get, you, you get that, you know, both sides, both directions, full, full, full rudder. And then the, the system automatically compensates and makes, makes it, then it knows what is center. And then you get the exact same strength on both sides of the rudder, which is amazing. I, I really, I'm really liking you know, those cool. little features of of yeah, of, the, yeah. of of the B bar. That's really neat. So so um, so the 380 is flying fine. The 420 has been flying well, uh, you know, since before. The only the only issue that I have now is lack of confidence. You know, um, after my two crashes of my two big helicopters, I I I've lost it. You know, there's the last uh, couple times that I've gone out to fly, it's been a little bit windy. 
And I just feel like I just don't want to try anything. And I feel like I just want to go back home and discharge my batteries, you know, or just hover and and discharge and just get back uh, and, you know, not spend two hours discharging the battery, but, you know, a little bit less if I just like hover it and, and reduce the voltage a little bit or fly around and, you know, do a very mild flight just to, you know, what I call just dis- discharge the packs, you know, basically, uh, because I'm not feeling you know, I'm not feeling confident. You know, I know that crashing one of the small ones actually is not as big of a deal as crashing one of the big ones. I have a bunch of spares and it's, of course, less expensive, but I just don't want to crash, you know. Um, and, you know, and it and it's not just uh, just the money. Uh, it's it's also that, you know, it's a big pain in the butt to, you know, go over everything and disassemble everything and make sure that you didn't miss anything and all these little details. You know, and then, oh, I missed this. And, you know, I thought that I could assemble a goblin, you know, with my eyes closed. And I, I'm probably like 90% there. But, you know, there's still details here and there that, uh, you know, newbie details sometimes that I just forget or that I miss or that I'm in a hurry and I don't, and I don't do something right. And there you have to go back and disassemble and, and stuff like that. So, so that's, the, that's, that's part of like, you know, I've, I've lost my, my, my confidence, you know, on, on flying. So... Um, we'll see, you know, I hope that, uh, that the 570 will be ready for Urcha and, um, we'll see if I can, you know, bring three helicopters and see what happens. I'm still shooting for going. So hopefully, uh, you know, everything goes well, uh, but you know, I'm still feeling like not feeling it, man, you know, um, just, just overall, uh, lack of confidence. Um, although on the, on the, on a very, very, very good note, I would like to swap it out you know, from doom and gloom to, to a very good note that, um, you know, after the crash on the 500, I realized, you know, I started making the math, <laughs> of course, trademark, make the ma- making the math trademark um, for, you know, what, what, were, what was the price of, of my parts? What was on stock? What was not? And I realized that the 500 carbon fiber skits are discontinued. And um, I realized that I only needed one piece which is not available anymore, which is uh, a little like the foot. You know, it's a piece of carbon that goes in between the frame and a little piece of aluminum where these kits mount. And that's the only yeah. piece that I needed just to complete it. I mean, I had everything else. I actually had one spare skid with uh, labels correctly placed. So I had a left and a right. So I had everything, you know, I had everything except that little piece. So um, I posted it out on Helifreak and I have to be get, give a big shout out to Tim W., he just uh, PM'd me and he said, I'll just, uh, I have that part. I'll just mail it to you. Give me your address. So he actually put it on an envelope That's Awesome man! and he mailed it over to me. So the power of Helifreak and of this great community back again, uh, you know, saving my butt. And I actually posted a, a couple pictures on, on Helifreak. I, you know, the, the Heli is still only frame, but it's back on its feet literally because it has its kids back. So so I'm very happy about that. So um, I, uh, you know, as uh, as I felt really, really grateful uh, to be honest with you, you know, with this great gesture. Uh, one of the of the things that I saw on Heli Freak was this: was that this guy was asking for a pinion for a 380 pinion because he said that his motor was too powerful and he needed a small pinion and he couldn't find it. Um, I dug into my uh, into my box of, of spares and I saw that I had a 19 tooth pinion. So I put it on a box and I told him, give me your address and I mailed it out to him. 
So, um, hey, you know, just wanted to pay it forward, pay it forward because this, yeah. this hobby is just amazing. The level of people that just go out and just say, Hey, you know, do you need it? There you go. So, um, so it's, it's amazing. So, um, so thank you very much, uh, you know, uh, for, for all of those, uh, really, really, really good people. Uh, you know, one, uh, of course being you, Paul and, uh, one Tim, but I know that in the past, there's also been people that, you know, have been just, uh, wanting to give back and to give to the hobby and to give uh, something else to get someone else back on flight. So, uh, so that's amazing. That's, that's really awesome. And it creates this amazing uh, feeling and sense of community among everyone. And, and to be honest with you, you know, I just felt, you know, I have to do something for someone, you know, people are, there's a bunch of people doing stuff for me. So I just need to do something for someone. So, so that felt what good. What you need to do is get down here and drive with me to up to Urcha because I don't have to drive for 20 hours by myself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. How's, that, how's that's, it, that's big. How's, how, how's it from you 20 hours? For me, it's 18. And I'm, no, I'm it's, in it's sorry. North I'm, in 28 hour, I'm, in, I'm in 28 hours because it's 14 hours each way. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to think about that. 14 hours, <laughs> that's, that's chump change, dude. I can do that in a day. <laughs> Well, yeah, technically you could do it in 14 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I can I can drive that straight. I can drive that straight. Yeah, when I picked up my, like, I uh, I bought my uh, BMW in Atlanta, and I flew to Atlanta, and I drove it back in one sitting. And it was a 17-hour drive, I think, from the suburbs of wow. Atlanta to Dallas. And I made it, I went to the bathroom once, and I filled up for gas, and that was it. And after I did that, I was like, I am never fucking doing that again. That was the worst decision ever. <laughs> uh, but it can be done yeah oh, hey so javier i was, I was going to say you um you know as you start to fly the uh the classic models that you're you're flying and you're finding more and more parts might be out of stock you should get into fabrication you know you should get a cnc machine and you can start making your own franken goblins you know outside <laughs> of the outside of the canopies and stuff but yeah you can keep those things flying forever Yes, yes, that that would be nice. There's there's a, actually a lot of people in the hobby that seem to be picking that up, and um, and making a little bit of profit on the side. So, so, yeah, that's good. But I don't think that my wife will will accept the CNC machine as as small as as it can they, be here. So they only they only spin at like what twenty five thousand RPMs. I mean, they're you know yeah, they're, they're only like they're only like thirty k for one that's good to do the work on. So you know, you can buy one CNC <laughs> yeah, 30, machine or. It's about as yeah. loud as a jet engine. <laughs> yeah. You can either have, you know, you could buy one CNC machine, one mil for like 30 grand or like, or I say what, 15, 700s. Yeah, but you could so, think of all the money you could save if you, if you machined parts for, for 10,000 years. And that's true. You'd come out on, you'd come out on top. Um, yeah. Yeah. You have to think on, on what you're going to save, right? Or you're you got to make long the term here, guys. You got to make the math on that stuff. Yes. <laughs> make make the math. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, so yeah, that's that's it for me. And uh, you know, just uh I think that the only the, the only thing to look forward to right now is Searcha. I don't think that I'll I'll be out flying uh from here until then. I don't wanna I don't oh, wanna don't I don't wanna have an incident. You know, I'd rather I'd rather just rest it from here until Urcha and see oh. what happens. Oh, don't be a your blessing. blades. Take your blades should be there in a couple in a couple days. Uh, it's a two it's a three day shipping, and um, I dropped it off at the post office this afternoon, so you should be good. Awesome, awesome. All right. So you know, all, all the parts you need would be at Archer. You know, 
you know, Heli Direct is right there. You know? That's true. I, I'm already I'm already preparing uh, Scott from uh, Cajun Aircraft. I was like, hey, Scott, make sure you break all your parts, all right? Don't leave anything back because there, there might be a few crashes from me, and I, I'll want to rebuild. Uh, How's Scott doing? So Scott's doing good, man. Scott's doing good. I, I, we talked this week. Yeah, uh, get him back on the, some pre-planning. Get him back on the show. We do. We got to get him back on the show. Just to seriously, shit. it'll be like it'll it'll be exactly two years since he's been on in I don't know, October. I think it'll be two years. Okay, ah, that would yeah, be a so. nice anniversary. Yeah, that yeah. would be that would. Yeah, now that we great, now that we are an established known quantity, I thought I, I could have sworn that we were only going to last like three or four episodes. <laughs> it surprises me that we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been fun. You know, I think it's, it's been fun and we've, uh, we've, we've, uh, kind of, uh, you know, worked out the chemistry between us and there's been a uh, really cool guests. So I think that it's worked out really well. I think so too, man. This is one of the, this is one of the highlights of my, uh, of my every other week. Yes. <laughs> yes. Except oh, the editing part, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's not the highlight of my life, but you know, it'll get hey, better. That's right. <laughs> gotta do like i do you know i don't ever pick up front lines anymore but i have people that do it i just make sure i get them done and i pass them off to them you know wait it's like so I tell them are I'm you more. are you saying I, I just heard that your intern is available to edit the podcast for us you know what i gotta ask her if she can if she can if she does not edit uh audio she's really good you at have, anything bitch. She's, it's so she easy video. and it's if she can do photoshop she can do premiere <laughs> and all she has know, to do that. is chop up your voice to make you sound amazing in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get rid of the stuttering, get rid of the, the um, um, especially when you guys put me on the spot and I'm not ready for it, you know, and I just get like hung out to no, dry no. there, yeah? Those are the parts that we have to keep. I'm talking about, you know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, all those, all those uncomfortable long pauses. Yeah, or, or, the, or my uh, highlight reel. That's exactly what I want them to hear from me in the office. You know, got a good, we've Never got a good, we should, you know, what we should do is like after, after we have, I don't know, we've got like five or six Frank intros. We could just string them all together and have one episode of just Frank making an ass of himself. I'm okay with that, dude. I'm okay with that. You know, I see. That's why, I, that's why I suggested it. If you, if you would be offended by it, I wouldn't have brought it up. Oh, please. Other people would be like, oh, no, don't, don't say that. Don't record that, you know? Oh. Oh no! Let or let me listen to it first before you you uh oh, right. you right, right. yeah that that one I'm gonna catch shit for guys I'm just gonna tell you that one's gonna, I'm gonna catch shit I'm just preparing you guys for it now because someone's gonna hear it and bring that up to me uh, but yeah man we should do that we do that one of these days man, the architect the architecture community is small one of these days my wife oh, is going to are... someone who knows who knows who you are and she's gonna pass on an episode. You know, it's funny because I, I, they all know that I do a podcast, right? And they're like, you're the biggest nerd in the world. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I live, I live in South Florida and my, and my Sundays, I go, to, I go out west instead of going east toward the beach and, all, and hanging out at South Beach or anything like that. No, I go out to a field in the middle of nowhere to go fly. So with I'm pretty of, much with a bunch of old nerd. dudes. With a bunch of old dudes, yeah. Yeah. And then I, compl and I complain at them when they don't draw the stuff right. Well, I had so, you know, co -work most of my coworkers are like in their twenties, and we had uh, I don't know I forgot what one, one of those team team bonding sessions, and we told fun facts about ourselves. It was like I host a podcast on remote control helicopters. <laughs> like you're a retard. 
<laughs> it's like maybe so, <laughs> but yeah, maybe so. <laughs> that is so true. Like, I, I have no recourse. Like I have no rebuttal right there. I, I mean, you're right. I, no. I wouldn't if I didn't expect no. to be made fun of. I wouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> so the going off of that, you know, I had my my friend Andrew Rojas. You know, he flies for Manager Air. Really good dude. We talk all the time, right? He found me on LinkedIn, right? He goes, Frank, you look like such an asshole on, on your LinkedIn photo. It's like, dude, I'm a project architect. It's, it's part of the it's part of the role. If I was if I if I had a big smile on my face and everything was right, I wouldn't be doing what I do. Hold on, are we are we friends on LinkedIn? <laughs> oh, we are. Oh, wow, you do look like an asshole. <laughs> Man, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it though? <laughs> what are you trying to do, like the smolder or something? Like, what is that look? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And he tells me, dude, you got to, you got to take another photo. You lost a bunch of weight, dude. You're gonna look great in it. And then you just, and you can really uh, push in this, the asshole now. Then you're now that you've lost all the weight. <laughs> it, it's funny because I've had designers say, Frank, you look so mean in that picture. I'm like, yep. I mean, you 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 have a you have a designer look on your face. That's what kind of is funny to me. It's like, are you wearing oh, no. a black t-shirt? Are you wearing a black t-shirt? You are wearing a black t-shirt. You're yeah. You're just you like straight up designer. Hold on, let me see. Let me put you. Can you guys see? I'm gonna put the camera on. All right, I want to show you guys this picture that I got. They sent to me. That um, uh, how do I do this? How do I do this? How can I do this? How can I share this? All right, hold on. I want to for, find it. For, for, our, for our listeners who can't see Frank trying to show something on his screen. You, you guys, the listeners will probably see it first. Frank's trying to show something on his screen. Yeah. I'm actually going to show it here. It looks like the baddest photo of me I've ever taken. And it's, um, let me see here. How do I flip this around? It's the new, it's my photo for uh, Azure Blades. It looks so badass, dude. I've been like, uh, like I'm some kind of biker and shit. I was like, and I'm the nerdy architect on the other side. Wait, where? Well, this is recent, then, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, this hasn't been, this hasn't been published yet. This hasn't been published yet. Oh, this okay. is just okay. Yeah, so it's they're a, doing it's this a sexy for all the looking, guys. Uh, it's a sexy looking. I am, dude. Right there. Yeah, dude. Look at that sexy ass I mean, helicopter with the the man's, the amazing the man's not too bad. The man's not too bad either. But I mean, the real star here is yeah. the, is the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, the real star is the blades. That's the boy. <laughs> Kenny Cole will be loving you right now. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get the chance to try out some some Azure blades. Correct. In about, Correct. In about a week, they're really nice, man. I like them. Yeah, you got you got to speed up the head the head a little bit, but yeah, there's no uh, uh, low head speed flying with these. You got to crank that head up, buddy. So there's no idle up one here. You go from two to up. Okay. All right. So I think that on that note. Are we ready to transition into um, an evening with Nick? Yes, I think we are. Yes, I think we need to All roll right. it. Cool. Well, hey, guys, enjoy this pre-recorded segment with Nick Maxwell. And um, I will talk to everyone later. So you guys have a good night. So, uh, guys, welcome to the Skits Up podcast. So, again, you get to hear my lovely voice instead of Paul because he's uh, busy, uh, you know, there has to be a way that he can fund this hobby. So he's, uh, he's working hard as he has some uh, upcoming uh, deadlines. So uh, it is going to be uh, just Frank and uh, a good host that we're going to have today. So first, Frank, say hi. Uh, Frank, say hi. Awesome. 
And then we got we have uh, an amazing um, guest today, Nick Maxwell. So hi, Nick. Hey, how are you? All right. So awesome, awesome. Um, so Nick, I guess that we're gonna go straight out into the meat of, of things and start talking to you. <laughs> and just, you know, straight just, to just got straight to straight, straight to the meat of the of the yes. situation. That's great, great, yes. great. Yes. I, lo I love it. I love it. I love it. That's great. I think that Paul is going to end up using my quotes instead of yours for the beginning of the episode. I, I, yeah, I think you've earned the quote of the beginning of the episode for sure with this one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, Nick. So I know that you've been uh, recently in, um, you know, in, in in a few podcasts, and actually we are we're well aware now of your furniture situation thanks to that. But. Um, <laughs> But um, we would like to, you know, uh, you know, still, I think that it would be worth it just to have a very quick, very, very quick, because, you know, again, we've uh, already kind of like uh, people that hear, you know, the different podcasts will will have a little bit of idea. But for the people who may just listen to this podcast, I don't know, there may be some people like that. Could you could you give us just a quick rundown of, you know, your your start um, in the hobby, Nick? Yeah, sure. Um, so I got started with airplanes. My father flew RC airplanes uh, since he was um, real young in his, I think, late teens. Uh, and then uh, he started me flying airplanes and, I, and I, we did pylon racing for a little bit. And then in 1998, I got my, I saw some helicopters when we were at a pylon race. And I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, I ended up getting a helicopter for my, my birthday. And then um, we really didn't get real big into it. And then, uh, we went to, we live pretty close to Urcha. I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about an hour and 15 from, uh, the Muncie flying site and, uh, hour and a half. And then, um, we went down to Urcha, I think it was in 2001, uh, and saw Curtis Youngblood. They had the world championships and, the, and Urcha at the same time there. And, uh, got to see Curtis win the world championships and had my first Urcha. And ever since, I started flying helicopters. Nice, nice. Hey, hey, Nick. Um, you know, it's it's funny, but you know, I haven't been that long in the hobby, and mm -hmm. um, but you know, I I keep hearing about Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. It seems like everyone that has a significant time, um, in the hobby, you know, has heard about Curtis, Curtis Junkload. Did you like compete with him? Um, you know, uh, like uh, were you like buddies with him, or you know? Kind of like, did you get to meet him or something? Yeah. yeah. So, um, growing up, I compete. I competed at the U.S. Nationals, um, and I saw Curtis every year. And then I started getting heavy into the 3D stuff uh, and started competing. And obviously, we ran into each other at a lot of the events. Um, and obviously, Curtis is three-time world champion, and so everybody in that site, you know, he used to get out of the car and just be swarmed with people. Um, cause he was really kind of the godfather of all of this. Uh, and then in 2008, um, after I graduated high school, um, I ended up going down and moving to Texas, uh, to work with Curtis. And, uh, I, I guess my main job there was kind of to test fly and, and help promote and travel around and promote stuff. Um, and so I got the opportunity to, to work with him for three years and, uh, 
during my time with him, I won the 3D Masters, which is the, at the time the World Championships for 3D, and uh, also make the U.S. team for F3C. So he, he definitely was a really big influence on my career and everything with helicopters. Cool. Man, that that is that is awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him and his father are really great people. I, I, I haven't been around as long as you have. Actually, um, I've only been around since uh, 2014. But I remember like looking at his Stingray, the the quadcopter, and I thought it was like the coolest freaking thing that you could do, like yeah. real serious, real serious 3D with it. You know, and just the mindset someone had to have to actually create and invent that. So kudos to Curtis, man. He's definitely, you know, he definitely missed the stuff in the hobby. Yes, for sure. He was, he was a big innovator. For sure. Um, Nick, I don't know if you remember this, but I actually, you were the first pro pilot I ever met. And I met you at the 16, uh, 2016 OHB and Nick, um, Nick Johnson oh, okay. introduced me. I have a picture of you, me, and Nick on my Facebook that I remember every year because uh, when OHB happens, because that's when I post it, oh, it always cool. reminds me. <laughs> and, well, the, and you were, yeah. And I remember you flying, um, you had just uh, came over to Diabolo and mm-hmm. you were flying, this, you were flying your, uh, your 700s with uh, George's speed blades mm-hmm. and i've ever been at the flight light and you just coming across and i'm like whoa that's fast so it's one of those memories <laughs> that you you don't, you don't forget in a long time and you know being you know in the hobbyist for as long as you have is i always appreciate seeing you at fun flights because you have a definitely a distinctive flight st- flying style you know reminiscent of old school but with another a lot of new school flavor to it and you're definitely one that it, it's hard. It's hard not to get excited when you're up in the air. And well, uh, <laughs> seeing you fly in San Diego was pretty awesome, man. You know, I still love how how low you get and how you know that inverted low hover that you do with with like full pull uh, full peg rudder is always impressive to me because you have so much control over it, and your autos are out of this world. So. That was my fanboy moment for everybody here. You know, I tend to have that with all the guys, but Nick's been on that list for a long time for me. So I figured I had to uh, do it, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> so and I'm sure we might catch up with her this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Um, my big question is um, how many sponsors have you had over the years? Who did you fly for? I remember I, I just realized that you flew for Curtis, and I know that you flew for Diabolo. Who were the other ones in between? Um, let's see. Uh, originally, flew for miniature aircraft um, and then went to Curtis. Um, during that miniature aircraft time, we were also flying for a line. Um, and then when they came out with their 700, I chose to go with the miniature aircraft. It was kind of a weird, they only had the 450 stuff. And so Tim at miniature was kind of letting us do views. Um, and then uh, I went to Thunder Tiger for, for several years and then went to the now, now, uh, uh, mini copter. 
So I guess four, four different brands. That's that's a lot of history. But you've you've mostly been uh, been Futaba all along, right? Yeah. So I have always flown Futaba OS engines, and uh, except for the years that I was flying for Curtis, uh, Mick Campbell's V blades, and now he also is a huge influence and makes the the Revo blades. Cool. Cool. Hey, 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 Nick. I have a, I have a question for you now. Now that you mentioned it, because you you've kind of like evolved. Um, you're you know you're very very deep into the hobby, so you've kind of evolved from just being, you know, a sponsored pilot to being a pro pilot uh, to be a competition pilot uh, to being actually someone that you know uh, leaps up the the hobby, right? You know, you do engineering. You have you know your your own products. Um, you work for 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 different brands, not just on you know on like a pilot, like a, like a factory pilot that tests the 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 models of the electronics, but you also you know help on design and engineering and you know all these things. So uh, being so involved into the hobby uh, like this, you know, flying flying for fun, I've all, it's it's always kind of like been puzzling to me, you know, because it's your work. Um, but it's also your hobby, right? Because, you know, for us, it's, it's just a hobby. You know, it's what we do when we're not working, right? It's, it's something that we do to, to get off the steam of the meetings and get off of everything else. And we, joke, we, we choose to go to something completely different, which is flying toy helicopters. But, um, yeah. but you know, you, you, you're not in that case. I mean, probably a lot of your flights are actually, you know, test flights, testing stuff up, making sure that, that stuff doesn't blow up. So, you know, how do you... How do you handle that? How does it affect your actual, you know, let's say, let's call it enjoyment of just pure hobby? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think that to a large degree, I'm a little bit of a rare breed on that side that I, in my head, I can very much separate the business side from the, from the fun side. Um, I still absolutely love to go out and fly a helicopter. <laughs> um It actually, for now, right at this exact moment, it's pretty easy. Um, when I was working full-time for Fataba, um, like I said, it was, you know, there was office time and then there was flying time. It was two very separate things. Um, right now, I actually work full-time for a UAV company in the engineering division. Um, so I actually don't, I still fly radio control stuff all day long, but these big, you know, airplane, you know, big airplanes, rotor wing stuff rather than um, hobby gray um, stuff. But uh, I think to answer your question on the testing, for me, that is actually part of the fun. Um, I really like trying new things and trying different setups. And oddly enough, I've never really been in a situation where a company as a job has looked at me and said, you have to go test this and develop this. A lot of times the product is a collaboration of me working with the engineers and saying, hey, I think we should do this. So there's already a kind of a passion or an interest in, I don't know if that explains that. But yeah. No, that's it's like not like I have, really it's not like I have a boss saying you need to go make a new servo. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a. <laughs> that is very cool to hear, man, actually. Um, um, it's interesting because I, you know, I always see the, I always feel like the pro pilots, you know, it's like what they do for a living. So it's like, you know, they, when they're not there at the field or anything like that, I don't want to like bug them with like hobby questions or stuff like that. Uh, 
But every time I seen you post and I've made a comment on it, you always come back and respond that, you know, in full and, you know, the stuff that you done, like the write-ups that you did on the nitro tuning and nitro mm-hmm. engines was, was amazing, by the way, dude. I, I, I think I've oh, used that cool. thing. And every time I get a new, new engine, you know, breaking in process and all that, pretty, it's pretty, it's in depth, but it's very easy to read, which is something that, do, that doesn't happen often. You know, because you got people that are very, very technically sound, but it sounds like they're speaking to a bunch of engineers. Yeah. So I really, I really appreciate the way you broke that down and how you did that. Honestly, um, I wanted to ask you, um, you have your own little shop going and I wanted to see what mm-hmm. was the inspiration behind that? What made you want to go in that direction? Because oh, you got well, some really interesting, you got some really interesting products that yeah, I, that I, uh, love. I have, I have the, the, your glow driver, you know, I think it's pretty awesome. You know, I think it's, I, I did some testing for DePaulo for the, for the first ones. And then when you got on board, it was really, it's, it's a bit awesome. It's simple. It does all the work. You can't really ask for much more than that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, Mike is great. Mike did everything. So, yeah. Um, and your blades, what, what made you want to, you know, I know you had them before. What made you want to bring them back? Or what was the reason for it, for your reasoning behind it? And how are they doing? Because every time uh, I see them, they're out, of, they're out of stock. So you must be moving the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we have, so right now we've sold, I think, a little over 150 sets. Um, nice. And I'll actually, That's awesome. And I'll actually, I'll actually have 90 sets at her church. Um. So I, the reason they haven't been in stock lately is I've been kind of building up and hopefully we'll show up a bunch. Um, but to answer your question, the, the blades for me um, are completely personal preference. So, you know, one guy may be able to really make one blade work well, but the other guy might not be able to. Um, so for me, a rotor blade is, an, is a product that's not really easy to develop. Um, now, if you go to Funky, or you go to one of these manufacturers and say, hey, I want to do this. Obviously, they do the manufacturing side of things. Um, but with what I do with Vic, I can make a pretty special blade that does exactly what I want. Um, and then I can sell that exact thing to customers. Um, where previously I tended, when I, when I was flying like Curtis's blades, I tended to grade the blades and I kind of hand selected I'd go through and I'd pick the weights that I wanted and I'd see kind of what came out of different batches of stuff. Um, it wasn't really representing exactly what was being sold where with Vic, the blades, I literally just take one out of the box and go fly it. So um, the other thing is too, I think with blades, there's a lot of different ways to kind of skin the cat. So um, blade, you know, blade x versus blade y it's not gonna really there's really not a right or wrong um obviously if they're not balanced they're they're wrong but in terms of personal preference um that was a pretty easy one and and they're expendable so if if somebody out there doesn't like them and we come out with a v2 they might try them again later (laughs) that's very that's that's a good way to look at it honestly it's like one of those things that you kind of are, it's funny because when you crash, you're like, oh, it's, it was 80 bucks plus plates. So you are automatically expecting to crash plates. So uh, yeah, interesting, and, interesting and, thought process. And, 
And the funny thing about that was the first set of Helix, uh, the, we call them the V1s, uh, I really liked them. But we sold, I think, maybe 50 or 60 sets, and everybody hated them. <laughs> the reason is, these well, fly horrible. Well, um, it's funny because everybody talks about them. It's like, dude, are you going to bring back the – because I've seen them plenty of times, you know, being – wanting to hang out and, you know, and having everybody on there and commenting about it. But, like, the Helix were always like, if you ever see a set, uh, you say, pick it up, Frank. It's the best set of blades you ever will have. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, well, the, the, the first 50 sucked. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> liked them. Um, but uh, then we took feed, you know, I took everybody's feedback and said, okay, this is what guys want. And so then I mean, that's, that's, I guess, what the running change thing and ended up, everybody ended up liking their version too. So, the, so this set that you have now, what you're current, is that, is that can be considered a uh, version, a version two or a V3? Or uh, what would they actually? To be honest with you, it's actually a V5. So between really? the second, yeah, the second set of Helix and what I'm selling now, um, I had actually done two other sets of blades with Vic that we just never ended up selling. Um, one of the lines was gonna, it was um, Helix. It was the Helix tip shape with a little bit different airfoil. Interesting. Uh, and, and then I had another one uh, that was actually the, that same airfoil and a little bit different tip and a little bit different root um, that was all matte. And we were going to call them Helix Chaos. Um, but they never came out. We just went to, we did the Revo Blades instead. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I love hearing these little tidbits back of history, you know, because, you know, the hobby. This hobby hasn't been around that much long, you know, but some of the cool moments that happened in the past that kind of made things what they are today. It always interests the hell out of me. Um, yeah. So well, it's fun because it's, it's stuff to try, right? It's, there's always something new to try. Yeah. Very for cool. Sure. For sure. So talking about interesting things, Nick, um, I, I have a big question and it's, and it's one that I, that, that you know, we've there's there's been a lot of debate, and I don't know um, if you uh, you know if, if you heard our podcast or not, but you know we had uh, Augie at one point in time, and we talked about you know the famous um, churches, you know the Church of Orientation and the Church of Instinctive Flying. So I just I'm just like very interested, you know, in how people that get to your level of proficiency, you know, the top. 1% of, of the pilots in, in, in the hobby, you know, um, how do they get there? You know, a portion of it, you know, has to be in undoubtedly, you know, natural talent, of course, you know, there, you know, no matter, you know, um, how many helicopters, if I had, you know, like someone that uh, was my godfather and gave me free helicopters for life. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll just go and crash and fly every single day. You know, I know I, I couldn't get to your level, you know, because there's, there's a certain degree of, natural talent, you know, on the very top pilots like yourself. But still, you know, I'm interested to know, you know, if I, if I get to like, I don't know, to like 50% of your skill, you know, I'll be happy. So I would like to know a little bit of, you know, um, how did you get there? You know, were you more like practicing hover a long time or were you one of those that, you know, just started flying around and it just started coming, coming at you, you know, kind of like what was your process through, through learning this stuff? you know, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
that's a really good question. So um, I actually hovered for about the first two years of flying helicopters. I didn't do any aerobatics. Um, it wasn't until one of the urchas, I think 2002, a guy named Jamie, um, he lives out in Arizona now, um, helped me set up my helicopter for 3D but, or for inverted stuff. But um, so I take a different approach. I actually take the approach of not crashing. Um, I get very much in tune to a certain setup or a certain helicopter. Um, and if I felt like if I was always crashing, um, I actually wouldn't advance because every time you crash, you almost start over. You've got to learn the, the traits or the little quirks of each little helicopter. Um, so I, a lot of the stuff I did was up really high and I just kind of broke it down. Um, I, I think one other thing is too, is learning the equipment. Um, I, over the years, a lot of the top guys, you know, you'll fly the other guys' helicopters. Like one, one in particular is Alan Zabo and I. Uh, our helicopters actually feel very similar, and they have felt very similar since like 2008. Um, but then you fly somebody else's like Kyle Dahls, and every time his, no matter what helicopter he's flying, it has a certain trait to it. Um, and I think for the other guys that if I think for the people that have flown my helicopters over the years, they would all kind of say the same thing. Um, I think advancing and getting to a higher level is figuring out how to make the helicopter work for you. Um, there's a lot of times I know if I just go out and picked up a helicopter, I probably couldn't like, for example, the, the low inverted pirouetting stuff. If it's not set up exactly how I'm used to, there's no way I could go out and just do that. That's, that's very interesting. I, I, I think that I've never thought about it that way, but that's, that's a very good point, you know, because I think that there, and you've seen that, you know, either on questions or on forums or on Facebook or whatever, you know, there's always a lot of questions about, Oh, what is your head speed? Oh, what is your setup? You know, that, you know, they want to, they want to copy, you know, the setup of someone else because they believe that if they get that setup, you know, that their helicopter will fly well. Right. But I think that that you've broken kind of that, and and it's and it's really, it's it's a really good approach, you know, you you know, to not not take someone else's just because they fly well. It's it not it doesn't mean that that setup will fly well for you, right? You have different sensitivity, you have different feel, you have different thumbs, you have different whatever. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think, I think there is some value to the other thing, but the value is more on the gyro performance side. So like, is the air, is the helicopter rolling axially? Is it pirouetting flat? Is when you're doing pitch pumps is the boom staying level. I think that's valid information to share between people. Like if, if pilot X's helicopter, when he rolls is corkscrewing, he can go to a guy that his exact same setup is flying straight and they can compare numbers. Um, that kind of stuff, you know, makes sense. Um, but in terms of the, the feel, like the expos, the control rates, the pitch curves, stuff like the, the total pitch amount, the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all individual because everybody's, you know, everybody has their deficiencies. My deficiency is, is smack or, or, or smacky, like tight end stuff. So believe it or not, my helicopters don't fly big and fast. Well, they're all tuned to fly smack which sounds backwards because i fly big and fast 
But to be able to try to do both of those things, I tend to bias the setup more towards aggressive and fast. And then, cause I excel at flying big and smooth. So the helicopter doesn't have to do as much work for me. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And so I want to ask you a question. Cause I remember listening to you on one of the other podcasts, I think, or the hooligans that you were on a couple of years ago. And it's something that's, that stuck with me pretty much that, and I kind of always, I tell Javier this all the time because I'm always arguing. Me and Javier, we have a text chat that we have going on with Paul, and we're kind of always talking about flying and all this. And I always say that you can't tune yourself into a better pilot. And I remember hearing that from you, not to get overwhelmed by the parameters and just fly what you got. And, you know, your skill sets will evolve a little faster. So I always, yeah. find, I always find that interesting because kind of, you know, I fly V-bar and, you know, you, you know as well as I will that Vbar has a million parameters that you can use to tune your stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I've learned that if you're mechanically sound, if like everything is working like it should be and your CG is on point, you you're you've done like 90% of the tune right there. Like you can't fix you can't fix a mechanical issue with a uh, electronic electronic uh, programming, you know, or tuning. Yeah. And I, yeah. Just, I wanted to see your feedback on that now because you're kind of, you, you've always kind of set the tone for that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to hear what you thought about it. And if you still believe in it, if you still think that, that with today's gyros as advanced as they are, you know, does, does it have to be perfectly sound? Does you have to have perfectly set up? You have to, your CG has to be dead nuts and, or, or does it not? It, it, it depends. So my biggest thing, and, and I think kind of explain that, is consistency. I want the helicopter, and it kind of goes back to my statement of I like to fly the same helicopter. I try not to crash the helicopter because then if you crash it, you've got to learn quirks of, of after it's rebuilt. I don't tend to sit there and and tune it to within an inch of its life in terms of some of the some of the stuff like to make sure that there's absolutely no bobbles and absolutely. Instead, I just fly the helicopter and learn how to pace it so that it doesn't do that. Um, but the biggest thing is, is consistency. You, your setup is re- consistency relies on your setup. So if you have the helicopter set up so fast or so slow or so, so to one extreme that if you get yourself discombobulated, you don't have enough control authority to get out of it. Or let's say you're, you're in Florida and then you go to, uh, Utah and you don't have enough yep. collective because you don't have any power. Um, so my rule of thumb is when it comes to that, and I, I think I've said this before too, I don't know if I, if I had mentioned in there, I go out and I do every maneuver that I want to do and then add 10%. So like my collective, my cyclic, my tear rotor, I go yeah. out there and I figure out what the limit is at home. And then I just add 10% more and just never use full stick. Oh, that's interesting. So instead of instead of setting your pitch for 14, you set it up to like 15 or 15 and a half, just so you have yeah. that additional that additional range. So if you yeah. go from a, a climate that's, you know, like on a night, that's, let's just say nitro, because I think it makes the most sense to me is if you go to a place where it's lower to sea level, you're going to get a lot more power than if you go somewhere up in the mountains. Yep. Yeah. And so as long as the helicopter is fairly consistent, and you can make it consistent by just moving your sticks. 
then then you, that's kind of your tuning limit. Um, I mean, I, de I definitely sometimes go off the deep end of tuning stuff, but, or if, if you look at my helicopter and you say, well, that's modified, why'd you modify it? A lot of the time it's to get a more consistent reaction. So that way I don't have to tune it within an inch of its life so, and then go somewhere else and it changes. <laughs> Very cool, man. That's, that's awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear because I always feel like there's like this big wormhole that you can get into by just trying to overtune your stuff. And sometimes I remember hearing, uh, who was the guy that used to do all the, the flight the flight school? What was his name? Bennett, Todd Bennett. And I remember him saying, he's like, man, just set it to factory settings and fly like that, you know? Then you can see where it needs to be there. But if you're over messing with it, you're just gonna make the helicopter fly like shit. So just go back to your factory settings, adjust your, um, your ratios and try to get it back to normal don't don't play around with the numbers too much because you're just going to drive yourself nuts and you're not going to enjoy the flying of it yeah unless, unless you're trying to do something specific where you have to change it then most of the time i think it's like it's really kind of like anything right if if you follow exactly how the engineer wanted it to be used or however the designer wanted it to be used probably you'll get similar results but if you skip 14 different details well then it ain't gonna work <laughs> <laughs> no no i agree 100 percent agree with you i wanted to yeah. ask you uh can you give me kind of a quick synopsis of what are the difference between your f3c setup and you don't have to tell me all your secrets because i know that i've been told that you have you've done specifically modifications to your heli and i don't want to give give your secrets out to anybody especially if you're competing against them um <laughs> between your f3c no, machine your f3c machine your 3d machine and even your nitro like what are some of the things that are similar and what are some of the things that are, you do completely different from one model to the next that you could share it with us today? Yeah, no, no, I have no secrets. I'll tell anybody whatever setup I'm using. Um, so between, That's awesome, the, between the 3D, the F3C and the Nitro, when it comes to doing the aerobatics for F3C and the 3D helicopter and the, and the Nitro, they're all the same. Really? Yeah. So, and that is a little strange, but my FAI aerobatic setup is a 3D helicopter setup. And the reason why is because if I were to try to actually tune that and make it different, going between F3C and 3D, it'd just be one more helicopter. You got to learn how to fly. Um, so the only thing that I, the only thing that I do is for the rolls, um, when you have to do just axial rolls in F3C, I do limit the rudder control throw. So I just flip a switch for horizontal rolls. And that's just because when I get nervous or whatever, and you're moving the collective, sometimes you bump the rudder. So when, you, when you're trying to do axial rolls, I just take pretty much all the rudder deflection out of it. And then, so I can't bump it. Um, but then they're all pretty much the same for hovering. It is, it's very slow. Um, it's a totally different setup. But so I like I use one bank for hovering and one bank for aerobatics. But all the aerobatics, the 3D stuff, it's all the same. The nitro and the electric are 100% the same. Uh, the only difference is uh, the nitro I've got at 2100 head speed and the electric is at 2200. And I just kind of feel like that's the off center feel is about the same at those head speeds. And so I geared the, I geared the Diablo nitro so it'll run at 2100. Nice. That's that must be 
uh, flying hard. Jesus. I, I think I run mine at like 1900, my Protoss Nitro. Yeah, um, but I, th- I think it, I think it's 814, right? Or 81882, maybe. Okay. Gear ratio. That's your gear ratio? Uh, I think that's probably, I think that's probably yours on the Protoss. Um, so I run like a 79, 79, 788. Let me see. Actually, I keep all my stuff, um, all my information down. I actually have an 8.21. 8.2 on? So, okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so your, your 1900 on the engine is actually probably about the same as mine at like nine, at 788. So the engines are in the same, the engines turn in the same RPM, but the head speed's just different. But you do lose a little bit of torque. But I, just, I, I mean, it's such a light helicopter, it doesn't really matter these days. Hey, so that's that's great segue because I want to ask about this because Javier hates nitro. So I like to keep on the topic of nitro as much as possible. Do I have to go to sleep? <laughs> but i've seen you do something that i've always been told that it shouldn't be done you fly your nitro at a really low head speed at a much lower head speed and nick correct me if i'm wrong because you definitely know more about these helicopters than i do but don't you want to kind of stay in the power band of the nitro to get all the performance or the most performance you can out of it and keep them as uh less uh the most uh what's it, less vibrations as possible do you feel that when you run at a low head speed like you do sometimes you create that or how have you been able to manage that or do you not even worry about it that be that should be the question i ask yeah it's no problem i mean so no you're not going to make peak power because you're not in the power band but the pipes the the exhaust systems that are out there today they're not tuned that strict um, if you want to make peak power, yeah, you've got to got to turn the engine at a certain RPM. The low head speed stuff doesn't hurt the engine at all. I mean, it's no different than hovering it. Like an F3C helicopter, you you know, for 30 years, everybody hovered at like 1,400 and did aerobatics at 2,000. So Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's no problem at all. The, the only thing I will say at the real, real low head speed, so like it, when I'm turning it at like 1,100, Sometimes, if it's a little on the rich end, it'll foul the plug. Um, mm. But it, I mean, as long as long as you don't sit there and let it load up, it's very very cool. But yes, if you were to dyno it, it would be making absolutely no power. So, Nick, I want to make sure I I, I talk to you because I want to schedule some time with you at our trip because I would love to get us to do a little video of your OS tuning class because I know those things that you know you have limited amount of events that you do a year and i just think that that's the information that everybody should like have like your your write-up was excellent but if we can go through and i'll and i'll provide a brand new engine i'll provide a heli uh kind of your <laughs> setup you know uh and your break-in process and how to get the how to get the mo- the engine tuned pretty pretty on par you know not a hundred percent but close to that as possible because i know that it takes a lot of effort to get them to pump out as much power as possible out of them especially with today's pipes yeah no we can we can do that no problem the biggest the biggest thing with any nitro engine is not trying to get power out of it. it's trying to make it run smooth if you get it running smooth the power will just come naturally really okay um, 
Yeah. So if it's happy, I mean, I think one big misconception is, well, you lean it out, you get more power. Eh, kind of. Actually, the more fuel you can burn, the more power you're going to make. Um, so the, the key to the setup is figuring out where you can adequately burn the fuel that you're putting into the engine and you'll get the most power. Very the, cool, man. The best Very cool. so I read this little book, a friend of mine, uh, I read a little book on, on how they, they tune go-kart engines and how some of, some of that stuff works. If you get on the internet, you, I mean, there's just tutorials nonstop on all that kind of stuff, dirt bike, you know, two-stroke dirt bikes. I mean, all that stuff, it's all the same information, basically. I mean, yeah, the numbers are different and stuff like that, but the theory is all pretty much the same. So I mean, if you're just sitting there bored one night, you know, Google it and, and you can kind of see all the, and all of a sudden you just go, I'll try that on my helicopter. Heck, it makes more power. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's so, that's so true. You know, I've, I've noticed that, you know, it, I live in Florida. So, you know, I live in Miami. So I know that I got mm -hmm. heat most of the year. So I know when I fly the helicopter in the middle of the day, I'm not going to get nowhere near the same amount of power as I'm going to get at night. You know, yeah. so it's like, I feel like I have to tune for, I have to have, I used to have two 700 nitros, right? I used to call them one and two. One worked really, really great during the day. But the second one, I always felt they just got so much power. And it was because I had to, I would fly it right before on um, golden hour, or right before that. And it just creates massive amounts of power. And I always uh -huh. felt that, that it was always a little richer than the other. And I couldn't figure out why until... You just told me that now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, at night, that's awesome. when things cool down, it's for sure going to make more power, but, but you got to run the engine richer. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, can I ask you what, what plug do you use on your 105? Uh, OS7. OS7. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Medium hot. I bet everyone, I bet after this podcast comes out, there's no more OS 7s available in the United States because everybody bought them. <laughs> Actually, let me make sure. I think it's medium hot. I think I think an 8's medium and a 7's medium hot. Um, but yeah, on 15% or on 15 to 23% fuel, medium hot plug works, works best. If you're running thirty, if you're running thirty percent and and the other shim, you probably want to run an OS eight. Which? How do you run yours? If you don't mind me asking, you uh, run, do you run fifteen. Yeah, VP uh, uh, twenty three, whatever they, whatever their version was, whatever the twenty two and a half version they have is. Okay. Um, and so I, this is just something a little different. I do run so instead of one of the thick shims, uh, I do run one thick and one thin, which is technically the 30%, um, or it's 12 thousandths. So, um, I, it's a lot lower compression, but though then run a medium hot plug. Okay. So you run, you run, the, you run it shim for 30, but you run it a, a hotter plug, but you run it, you mm -hmm. run 22. Okay. Yeah, so the plug changing, changing the type of plug, you're kind of effectively changing the timing. Mm. 
Yeah, it's funny because I've always ran Enya eights, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a cool uh, Enya fives, Enya fives, uh, kind of a cool uh, plug. So I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try out the OS sevens. Let's see how that runs yeah. on mine. Um, so I wanted to get back to the competing and um, and the competitions and. You've flown all over the world and you competed in so many, you won so many, so many great competitions. And, you know, you, your videos are epic to no end. And I just wanted to ask you, what is your, what is your, like, let's say you, Nats are around the corner. What are you doing now to prepare for Nats that most people don't know about? Or what is your kind of like, pre-competition setup or not setup, but just like your routine. What, what is it that you do to get yourself ready for, yeah. for an event? Yeah. Um, well, one, one kind of strange thing, I usually don't fly more than seven to eight flights in a day. Um, so after that, I kind of feel your brain's crapped out and I can't learn anymore. Um, so I tend to stop there. Um, but if I, if like the helicopter has a problem, I'll continue to fly. So say like, I'm like, ah, this thing's got a little shake to it or the dampeners feel a little strange. Um, I'll fly more than, than that many times to do tuning stuff. Um, but of actual practice, that's about it. Sometimes less. I mean, uh, I think probably the only thing people, the one other thing people might find funny is I suck in practice. Like I will fly like absolute crap. Um, but until the judges are there and kind of like the pressure's on, um, then usually I can, well, sometimes you don't, but sometimes, uh, I'll I'll fly better usually in the contest than I ever do in practice. Um, which is kind of, sometimes that's opposite. I think they're, I think people are, are either one way or the other. They either do better in contests or they do worse in contests. Um, that's very very interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> I, I, I've, so I've, we've been doing podcasts for, for two or three years now. So I've, I've asked this question to a lot of people, you know, that mm-hmm. do that. And they, some of them, I remember hearing the ones from Jamie Robinson that he would, before the event, he would be like 10, 12 flights every day until he got everything, until he just got it just perfect. Like he felt like it was perfect. Um, yeah. But that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, have you noticed yourself, and I'm saying, not trying to be sound like condescending or anything, have you finally seen yourself slow down as you get older, like your skill set's not what it used to be? Yes, definitely. You... <laughs> I always have a hard talk. I will say this, though. It's very interesting. So now my personality, um, obviously, I love going to fun flies. Um, I just like flying helicopters in general. If it's a toy helicopter, I like flying. Um I did not used to like to practice. <laughs> I used to hate it. <laughs> I always wanted really? to go to the contest. Yeah, I always wanted to go to the contest and I always wanted to do good, but I didn't want to practice. Um, but I was younger, so I learned things a lot quicker. Uh, I do think as I have gotten older, though, I have gotten a little, I want to say wiser. Um, I don't goof <laughs> off as much. I don't goof off nearly as much as what I used to. Um, now I take the preparation side a little more serious and I really enjoy it. I absolutely, I honestly almost love the preparation and the buildup more than I do the contest anymore. 
it's funny because the last couple of times I saw you at Fun Flies, you're you're always have a very serious demeanor. Like I always, I was, I can really appreciate that because, like, I feel like when you're there, you're there to, you know, represent your, the brands that you fly for, to you know, be a great ambassador to the hobby. So when you tell me that in your younger days, you were like, ah, fuck it, I'll, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. Uh, it's interesting, you know. It's seeing, it's seeing the, seeing you in evolution is pretty cool, man. You know. <laughs> well, I, I will be honest. the The biggest thing for me is if someone, specifically event wise, if I have someone helping me get out there travel wise or whatever, whatnot. If you mm-hmm. show up and you and you don't help the people that you're supposed to be helping, or you don't, or your helicopter doesn't work, or something like that. That's pretty bad if somebody has supported you to, to be able to attend something. So I, I do take that pretty serious for sure. Well, it's funny because, um, you know, we went, we went to San, you went, you were in San Diego. So was I, you were at, at the spring fling and so was I. And I mm-hmm. remember giving, uh, Doug Darby, you know, he's like, he's like, my, he's like the uncle I always wanted, you know, like the older, <laughs> like that uncle that gets you the nudie magazines. Right. And he was trying <laughs> yeah. to get his guest. <laughs> You can still see that, right? That doesn't, you know, he, he has a joke that it, they used to call him Uncle Buck from one of the movies in the 80s. And then, you know, he'll kill me for saying this, but this is great stuff. Though. And he was converting one of his gassers to the Futaba system, right? Uh-huh. And I remember just, just me going in there because I love busting his balls because he loves to bust mine, you know. So I figured, hey, I got to give him some, some shit to laugh about it a little bit here. And I remember telling him, hey, man, you know, in the time you're setting up this radio, I could have set up every V-Control in this entire fun fly. And I'm like, Frank, just wait. Wait till you see this thing fly, and then you'll shut the fuck up and not say anything back to me. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then I, and I see Nick walking over to the trailer. I'm like, yeah, there goes that. There goes that theory. He's going to, Nick's going to set it up for him, and, you know, he's going to have it flying like a million bucks by the end of the day. And it was, man. The, that thing flew Saturday night like it was on rails. What a great flying helicopter you guys did there. Yeah, and I always see yeah, people co- a- coming to you, asking you questions and stuff like that. So it's very definitely evident of your hard work and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that. That's that's part of it. And I mean, I, I fly alone. So I guess that is probably part of the reason why I do when I do get fun flies, I like to interact and go out and set up stuff and so i fly alone here at my house um so unless i'm really? at an event yeah if, unless i'm at an event or a contest i'm flying by myself so which, which I do. <laughs> yeah i will say as much as i enjoy company of somebody coming and flying i enjoy more being able to roll out of bed and fly <laughs> than pack up and drive oh, that, so you, you you can fly right out of your front door is that what you're saying you don't have a, you don't fly out of club yeah. or anything no, I did when I first, so I grew up, my dad, um, I flew at my dad's house growing up. And then, so I always flew alone there with him and, uh, him and my dad and I would fly together. Um, and then I, when I moved here to Huntsville for the first four years, I flew out at the Huntsville club, but there was never anybody out there. Um, and then finally I found a house that with a flying that I can put a flying field and I've got a shop in the backyard and stuff. So I, I don't pack up stuff for, it just all stays ready to go. Nice. That's why I've seen you do videos of you flying your F, uh, hovering your F three C machine at like ten thirty at night. That's why I, I, uh, that's why you're able to do that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the back, yeah, I've got I, I've got ten acres that I 
take care of. And then I back up to actually it's a floodplain that I back up to. So no houses will ever be there, uh, 26 acres and then a uh, farm field on the other side of the house. So, so party you at next house, bring, bring your helis. Yeah, we, we could have a fun fly here. It would be no problem. No. I'd have to actually mow the whole grass right now. I just mow what I use. We'd have to hey, dude, everything. That's what, that's what the inverter, uh, payroll hovering is for. Okay. We'll cut it that way. <laughs> I take a lot of fuel. <laughs> 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 a lot of batteries but that that's awesome and that's awesome you know but i i do better that way i can focus i can like i said for me the, the fun part is the tuning and trying new ideas and stuff so so now i kind of i kind of want to switch uh gears a little bit and talk about your uh your rc car drifting ah okay yeah <laughs> so how'd you get involved with that and are you still doing it and what is the, what do you see difference in like the amount of time you put setting up a helicopter comparing setting up a RC car for drifting and why are you still using the two, not the, the typical, uh, heli or plane controller instead of the wheel, uh, the uh -huh. trigger wheel setup. Cause I always find that interesting because everybody's there is using the trigger and the wheel and there you are, you know, with your typical <laughs> yeah. heli transmitter <laughs> there. Yeah. Put it, put it, Taking it to everybody. Okay, so the drift stuff came about. It's super popular in Japan. Um, and so when I was working full-time for Fataba, I would go to Japan to do testing. Um, okay. Or even sometimes, even sometimes just business meetings. Um, and a good friend of mine over there that flies F3C, Dobashi-san, uh, he also drifts. And so a couple of the days, obviously it rains in Japan like half the day sometimes. So... Uh, when it would rain, we would go to, we go to the drift track. So I just started drifting with him and then I got the car. I could not use that stupid pistol grip though. My brain is so wrapped around using like an aileron stick and a throttle stick. I just could never do it. So, but yeah, unfortunately I have not done any drifting since, well, other than just for fun um, at the house, I haven't done anything like in public since 2019 because that's kind of an indoor thing you know mm -hmm. so every, everything closed with covid but i i can't wait i think uh, super g out there in california just opened up their new track again so javier you got any more good questions for nick yes yes are, are you, you done talking about nitro because you know as you know i i spaced out <laughs> you know i i highly <laughs> respect you nick but you know i have a, i have a thing against nitro i'm kind of like i think i have you know nitro allergies or something like that you know it's just it's just not my thing <laughs> is it too dirty yeah. <laughs> we, we got a game to fly nitro this year at Ertra for the first time so make hopefully you can be around him so you can give him some advice on how to properly fly a nitro helicopter you know well you have you have yeah, two yeah, things going against you that you know I don't like nitro, and if I in in the remote possibility that I would fly a nitro, it would have to be a goblin. So, uh, you know me, I'm I'm, I'm I'm an incorrigible fanboy, and I'm incorrigible yeah. against nitro. What can I do? <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> okay, so Nick, I have a, I have a few questions for you, and it's going and, and it's going to be a a, a a quick barrage of questions. Um. I would okay. like to know, uh, you know, during your time in the hobby, uh, what are your best memories ever, you know, in the hobby? As many as you want to share with us. What is or are 
your best crash crashes? And if you have any regrets at all during your time in the hobby? Hmm. Um, probably the best memories definitely are the different world championships. Um, I just, I love the atmosphere of that. It's so cool because you get to meet all these people from other different countries and different languages that are doing the same freaking thing you are. So pretty cool. Um, I think probably the worst crash, there's two of them, that, well, three of them that come to mind. One of them was in the Virginia event probably about 11 years ago uh, with one of Curtis's raves. Uh, I, I crashed way too close to the pits. It was more just incredibly embarrassing than bad. Um, then there was one out in Arizona one time where I blade stopped one uh, accidentally in an auto and it just flattened. Uh, and then I had one rabbit ear here at the Huntsville fun fly that from really high up. That was pretty bad too. So that was a blade stop crash, but the blade stop crashes are usually the worst ones. Um, and then uh, I forgot your third question. Uh, any regrets? Regrets. Oh, uh, no, I tend to think that, I mean, yeah, if I, I mean, I imagine that if I went back to like 2006 or when I was 16, 17 years old and knew what I knew now, um, that would be amazing. But I don't have a whole lot of regrets because usually from the stuff that I screwed up real bad, I learned something. So. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this probably, uh, Teaches hard and fast, huh? Yeah, I, I think probably the biggest regret that I have in all in two hundred and ten percent honest, uh, up until uh, up until I went to Fataba full time, I was flying RC helicopters just as a living. Like when I was working for Curtis and stuff, he was paying me as a as a pilot. Um, I didn't go into the office, didn't have boss, didn't you know? It was just a self employed. I think I stopped doing that when I started looking at healthcare prices. So when I was 25, I took a full-time job at Fatava because um, I was scared of healthcare and I was scared of, you know, getting older and things like that and wanting a 401k. I think I would have tried a little longer to be self-employed. That's probably the only regret. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, that's not too bad, Nick. As, as you know, as Frank said, you, you're gaining a reputation as a, as a, as a good boy, man, I, I thought you were gonna, you know, come up with something like, you know, drama, 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 Facebook drama quality. No, actually, um, Nick, can we talk about really quickly about you almost trying to kill your friend when you were trying to fly off a dock somewhere? I remember seeing that video and that always cracks me up. Yeah, you talked, there's a video of you flying, I think it was your Thunder Tiger in, in Louisiana or somewhere. You were uh, flying over water. Oh. And they got caught up. You're talking about in the in the boiling mud thing with Bert? Yes, yes, yes. Oh God, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. That was a bad one too. That. Uh, <laughs> so we were in we were in New Zealand, Bert. Oh, you guys are in New Zealand, yeah. And they had we had just it was actually the event was over. Um, we were doing like a tour day. They had they had taken us around, and we were. Um, that's the nice thing about not having a day job is when you're, when you're self-employed, you can take all these tours afterwards. You don't have to go back to the office. Um, but I think it was like the second day that they were showing us around New Zealand and there was this boiling mud and 
I, I can't remember who decided, but we were going to take a helicopter out and fly over the mud. And I just totally <laughs> screwed up and back and had to land on that little pavilion. That was pretty stupid. That was a bad one. No, no, but the, the skill set that you had bringing the helicopter back, that was pretty amazing. Let's, let's, that, you, you might call no, it stupid. There was no skills. That was pure dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> there was didn't, no didn't you, no you say the you, didn't you save the helicopter? The helicopter got saved, right? It wasn't like it, it hit something. It, it hit some trees. It hit some trees that were overhanging and it broke the landing gear. That was it. Oh, wow. But this thing is that this is an epic, awesome video to watch. Like, it just cracks me up because I, I remember seeing it. I'm like, oh, this cracks me up. But yeah, it's awesome, awesome. I will say this. So, in terms of the regrets, I, I'd like to go on record, I guess, publicly or recorded somewhere. A lot of those crash videos and the stuff on video, it looks so dangerous. In real life, we were actually just as we were still as far away as like a fun fly regulation or like a regulated flight line. So a lot of that stuff looks like completely stupid, unsafe, like, oh, my God, you're going to hurt somebody. But we actually were pretty safe with a lot of that. You know, I'm always I'm always laughing at that because I think that, you know, to let's say a majority of the RC community, the helicopter guys are always the most dangerous ones, right? But man, yes, we have sure. we I think in general, I think helicopter guys have a lot less accidents than a lot of the other disciplines. Yes. Because we sure. we have that built-in factor of fear that we're flying uh flying table saws in the air. So we tend to yeah. respect them even, even more, you know? Yes. And when the safety police come out, I just would love, I know that those guys probably have never ridden a dirt bike in their life. Then. <laughs> nice comment. Very good comment. Very good comment. Nice. So um, Nick, are you, you're, you're going to Urcha, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, what other events do you have uh, planned to go for the rest of the season, I guess? Uh, actually, a lot. So with starting my new, starting kind of more like a little bit more of a distribution thing, um, rather than just selling the blades, uh, I plan to go to quite a few now. Um, so uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, in oh, easy event. Yep. Um, yep. and then I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. And then uh, the you, you'll, you, you'll be at the smack fest in March 19th, 18th, 19th and 20th. That's my event. You know, hopefully you can come down and visit us here in Miami. I'll get you some good Cuban food. Got to start yeah, potting yeah. them now. Yeah. When is Gotta it? Got to start potting them down so you can, so you can come and visit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, when is it again? It's, uh, March 18th, 19th and 20th. Oh, yeah, that's a long ways out. We can plan that for sure. Awesome, awesome. Um, there's a bunch of them, though. I just always forget the names. Uh, the, all right, the all right. Virginia. Virginia, okay, cool. The At the yeah, Modown, yeah. great event. Yeah, they have one in the fall. Um, and then the one in South Carolina, or is it uh, at, at Triple Tree? Okay, Extravaganza. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. Um I don't know, just whatever pops up and I get a free weekend. There you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice, nice. Um, well, just in on the topic of 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 travel, 
do you usually mm-hmm. drive to the events or do you fly to the events? Um, and when you fly, you know, what do you do to take care of the, you know, of the helis and kind of like, how do you fly with, you know, 700 size machines? Yeah. Uh, so I'll be honest. I love to sleep on an airplane. So if I can fly to an event, I definitely will. Uh, <laughs> um, if it's within probably six or seven hours, I tend to drive. Um, but if it's if the drive is longer than seven or eight, I'll definitely fly. And right now with ticket prices being so cheap, uh, I just put them in a golf case. So I just take the, the Diablo with the canopy off actually fits in the golf case. I can fit two of them side by side. I didn't have to take the tail boom off. So I just take the landing gear off the blades off. Um, heck when I'm lazy, I leave the tail blades on, um, and just pack them in there. The biggest thing over the years I've learned is you don't strap them down. So like I've seen guys, they, they zip tie them to the case or they bolt them down to the case. Um, you don't want that. You want them to float. So that way when the TSA guy throws it off the conveyor belt, it all kind of like dampens in the foam. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I take, you know, that stuff you put on your bed that looks like an egg crate to make it softer. Yep. Yeah, like so. I just take sheets of that and wrap the helicopters up in that, and then in that case. And I mean, they can throw it, toss it, do whatever. I mean, it's just the helicopters are going to be dampened in that foam inside the case. Nice, because uh, when I when I had to travel with mine and I, and I fly, I wrap them around in yoga mats, and oh, like yeah. kind of like you, yeah, I wrap them around in yoga mats, and I take the the skids off and the blades off the main blades. But yeah, I've gotten to a point where I can fit two of them side by side. And, uh, I don't, I don't even take off the tail blades anymore. They, those stay on there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super easy. So nice. The batteries, everybody always asks about the batteries. I have never had batteries out of, let's see, this is 12 years now flying electrics. I've never had my batteries taken away and I take, I will fully be honest. I take way over the legal limit. And when they ask how many watt hours and stuff it is, when it says six S on the battery, I tell them it's six volts, but typically if they get, (laughs) if if they start asking that, but honestly, usually I just sit there and I look at the guy or the lady and I say, this is for my toy helicopter. I'm going to play with it at an event. And they go, oh, really? And I show them a picture on my phone. And they go, oh, my neighbor's got one of those. Have fun. And they let me through. So <laughs> um, I think it's yeah, when, you I have... you, when, when you show up and you're like, this is not a toy. And da, da, da. yeah, they're going to take your batteries. <laughs> so it's funny because I always get popped for, for batteries. I always get, they always either stop and go over my box. I'm like, hey, and, I, and if I sit there and I explain it to them, it doesn't take more than like a few minutes, but there yeah. was a one time, one time in Virginia, man, leaving Virginia in Richmond. I swear this lady was going to arrest me just cause you know, it, it, it's Virginia and you're, you're, uh, you're hungover from the day before. So you're already in a bad mood and you're like, lady, I flew into this airport with him. You're giving me crap about flying out of it. And you know, but it's definitely how you, I think, uh, uh, so if you, as long as you're decent and nice to them, they let you go by pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can always, you're, you might get some stickler, but 
they usually don't take them. I've never had one taken. And it's funny because it's just the big size. Because if I do like a regular stick, like if I just take a 550 with me and I just have mm-hmm. a small 6S pack, they don't say anything much about it. But it's the, the, just the figure of the 12S stick that scares them, that scares the bejesus out of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't blame them. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, no, it's, it's, a it's, big, it's, it's the big stick is something with wires coming out of it. I'm sure it's probably not. The, yeah, I could imagine what it looks like when they see it coming up. Like I have it, so I you have to carry them on, right? So I put them on my on my luggage on my carry on luggage, and I just open yeah. it up, and there's like there's two stick packs right there, and I'm just like, man, this doesn't this net doesn't look good because one I'm I'm twice over the limit because you're only supposed to carry one 12 s stick based on their amp hours or whatever the uh, or the voltage whatever. The, their calculation is and I have yeah. two of them I'm like oh, I'm gonna get popped I'm gonna get popped and then just and they talk they look at them they take them out they scan them they they rub them down and I'm just like oh they're just for toy helicopters and I show them a video of one oh okay have fun yeah yeah I have always so I've always tried to get my bag with because you know they make you take your phone out of your pocket I've always tried to get my bag with the phone. I've always wanted to try to get a picture of the TV screen where it's just the two black sticks and a yes, yes. So do I, man. hundred percent. I'm like, I'm always like at every new airport that I go to, I, I try to see if there there's a way, like, you know, they usually have two lanes going into one, right? If there's ever yeah. lanes that are back to back, so I can see the computer screen from one side. So I can be like yeah. trying to take pictures of it. Yeah. I, I'm with you there, man. I feel you. I'm always hoping I can find someone that works for TSA in the hobby. So they could tell me like yeah. all the dirty secrets of it. I'm always, it's, it's funny on the hangout once in a while, we'll do a post like, Hey, what do you do for a living? And I'm always kind of going through that. See if I find anybody that has a job with the government or that, that can give us some deeper insight to <laughs> the TSA or whatnot. But that's funny. That's funny that you do that. You see the same thing I do on that one. Yeah, I've always wanted to try to get a picture of that. Nice. All right. So um, I don't have any more questions for Nick. Um, I know that it was a grueling sec. sec- <laughs> it was a r- grueling time for you, Nick. But you know how um, how was it? You know, it was just like talking at the field, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's no problem. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we, we try not to be too evasive. You know, we don't try to ask for a lot of the back, uh, the secrets. We, we try, I'll try to ask them, you know, we'll figure them out as they go. Um, Nick, any new exciting things that you, you want to share with us that you have in the horizon? We usually call it, you heard it here first. It's actually have your favorite thing. So I just came around and stole it from them, which is even better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to think. I... Oh, I mean, it, this has nothing to do with product or anything, but um, just for fun, I I got one of those little OMP helicopters, and it actually flew, it flew pretty good, you know, with the with the standard flight control, but it it was lacking some stuff. So I've just for the fun of it put a CGY seven hundred and sixty on it. So, nice. So yeah. the seven hundred and sixty can work a motor tail. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, not. I had to go do some of the some of the background stuff to, to get it to work. But yeah, so I just 
took the oscilloscope and figured out what the pinout was on the on the receiver side or in the flight control side from the OMP one, and then just took little header cards and they just plug right in. So you just plug it into the ESC board just like the Mikado extension is and plug it up. Really, really cool. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, though. Actually, has RPM telemetry. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? So I got that, RPM that's telemetry. cool. Yeah. So you can run your uh, the Fatabagov then on it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. I'm not. I'm just running a flatline throttle curve right now, but I could run Fatabagov there. Very cool. So another cool story. This is my last one from Nick. That he probably doesn't even know this. Uh, <laughs> when we were starting off. Uh, Nick set, uh, set me and Chris up with a, uh, a dealer account with Futabo. And I never got to thank you personally for that, buddy. So here's my thanks to you. Thank you so much, man. I know that Matt, uh, oh, Matt no gave, gave you a call for us, you know, and you were so quickly to set up for us. We're still using it constantly. You know, I've been, I've been flying a lot of those. Serv- I, uh, I started flying the Futabo servos at the beginning of this year and they're everything they've everybody's ever spoken about them. They live up to the, up the word, you know, the, the 276 is hands down the best tail servo ever made. I awesome. That, Very cool. I, I, I love that. So there, there might be a, you know, uh, a 16, uh, IZ and a, and a 760 here in the future for me. Just saying, there might cool. be. Cool. Yeah. Nah. I got I got I got to figure out what all this fuss is about. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Well, if, if you get you have any questions, let me know. I mean, everybody acts like it's so difficult, but honestly, there's no more parameters than on the V bar. So, I mean, it should be no problem. The only difference is you see all that stuff because it's still got all the old flybar crap in it. It's still got all the airplane crap in it. It's still got a, it's all there. It's not, I guess like it's got V plane, it's got V quad, it's got all that stuff. It's just not hidden. So like when you choose mm. helicopter, the other things go away. Mm. I think that's where, interesting. I think that's where people get intimidated. Yeah. The, I, so before the, uh, the 16 IC, I was going to get the 18 SZ and I downloaded mm-hmm. the, the manual just to look at it. And I kid you not, man. And I used and I used to fly JD a long time ago, so I definitely know what a complicated radio system is. But man, mm-hmm. I never got so scared that when I saw that that manual, I'm like, this is no, 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 this scares me. But you know, talking yeah. to Westman Air and Doctor Ben, you know, they're like, it's only hard the first time, Frank. After that, you'll see how quickly it is to set up a new model. So I told them that uh, it's in the near future for me to try out at least once. Yeah, and it's not even hard the first time. It's just you've just got to overlook the airplane and the and the old flybar stuff that's still in there. Fataba Japan will absolutely because I wanted to do just like a flybarless program. So basically, it would just have the gyro setting screen. That's literally all that would be in it, just like a V bar. But they didn't want to cool. do it. They felt they felt that that would they felt that would hurt the customer base because then the airplane guys would feel like they didn't have all the stuff that they would have. Because like mm. some guys that fly Mac fly helicopters, and so they want it all in the same radio. But interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think if oh. if the only screen you need is the throttle curve, the pitch curve, and the gyro setting screen, and that's it. <laughs> really? Okay. 
Yeah, otherwise well, it's I, it's like other stuff. I'm gonna have to check it out, man. I definitely want to try it out. You know, I heard the there's always that statement that that everyone kind of talks about the Taba tail is the best there is. And there's no getting around it, you know, it's supposed to be the best, you know. And you yeah. know, it being able to work on 760 pulse rate for uh for your cyclic turbo, I think that's pretty cool as well. You know, I like to see what that's all about. Nice. So nice, yeah, man. Frank, you'll you'll have more experience in flyboard units than me. No, sir, no, no. And what you remember the rule, Javier, you can never talk about your fly brawlers experience. <laughs> It'll take a, a, Nick, I kid you not, it's a two hour long episode just from hearing how you're talking about all the fly brawlers that he's used. If you want to check, check go listen go listen to our last uh, our our last episode with the McToons and you'll hear it and you'll see why I'm saying this. It, it makes a lot of sense. Javier, we love you, but no, not anymore, buddy. <laughs> we can only deal with that one time in our lives. Well, if but, I if I do get another flyboard, I have to to make like you know uh, a historical comparison with the rest. So, oh, for sure, for sure. Hopefully, you never change. <laughs> uh, but uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on here, man. Uh, it's always an honor to have you around. You know, you're like you're the measuring stick for ambassadors in the hobby, and I, we we really, I personally, you know, have here as well. Appreciate everything that you do, man. And it's always it's always fun to watch your videos of you flying, especially your well, crazy autos, man. They're the best. Well, th thank you very much. I I really appreciate it. I just like flying helicopters, so anytime you guys have an open slot, let me know. I'd be happy to join. Oh my god, dude, we'd love to. Um, we'll definitely put you uh, put you on the list of people to refer back. You know, and if you ever have a new project that you want to bring out or anything, you want us to. Uh, and you want to come on and talk about it, we'd love to do that as well, you know, because I know I have a big affinity for um, people in the business of the hobby, which is not, it's not an easy business to be in by no means. So anytime you want to come in and talk about stuff, you know, I'm, we're always ears for that. We'd love to hear that stuff. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we should, we should try to get you in so we can do some, talk about some of the, um, uh, because you did some work with the Futaba guys for getting the uh, the 760 up. So I would love to go over what is that like, you know, trying to bring out a new fly broader system into the market, especially with a company like Futaba that, you know, has had such a long history of great products. I wonder what that's all about and what's that like? Yes, I, I would be happy. That's actually so too. I mean, uh, and was, this is no secret, but that's actually when I left Futaba, uh, I joined an aerospace company to help with control theory and autopilots. So really uh, that, yeah, that's a topic I absolutely would love. So, Oh my God, dude, Paul's going to, Paul, when he hears this, he's going to have a, he's going to have an orgasm because he loves <laughs> all that technical stuff. And he, that really, it's like what his, you know, he loves flying and he loves building, but anything to do with programming or anything like that, you know, he's really enjoys. So we're definitely going to have you back on. Yes, now uh, I, and you'll hear more of Paul on that episode. He'll just be all over yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll still come oh, in with cool. the nitro questions just to, you know, agitate Javier. But he'll definitely be the leader on on that one. Cool, cool. Yeah, that would be great. All right, Nick. So thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to uh, seeing you back in the future. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you in a week and a half, two weeks. <laughs> All righty. Thanks, Nick. Okay. Yep. We'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.